Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Don't put too much stress on your first kiss. It'll happen. But like it gets it gets better, more funnier, and like <laughs> Yeah. And it only gets it only gets magical if you're actually in love with the person, you know, like later yeah. on after you've yeah. kissed them a lot. But yeah, yeah. usually the first That's kiss. True. I prefer women, but I want a guy to force himself on me. I'm open to trans women doing the same, but I don't see too many of them wanting oh some of them do do like work off the side because like some of them are actually sex workers so like there's never a shortage for someone to take take a nice 40 year old hairy man uh aside and you know take him just, just really right. take him. <laughs> uh, like, is one last kiss, but she won't let me have it. I want to get over her, but I can't. I need help. Hey, this is Morgan Rector. Join me and my co-host, Rosanna Chilton, for the Confession Post podcast. Confessionpost.com is a website where users post highly personal content anonymously for the reading pleasure of other users. On this podcast... Rosanna and I read confessions from the site and give our analysis. You can listen to the Confession Post podcast on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Thank you. Hello, everyone. I am Rachel Telfor. And I'm Michelle Gower. We are the hosts of a new true crime podcast. It is called Children of the Void. The Void refers to children who are missing. And children who have died under mysterious and suspicious circumstances. Sometimes parents know nothing about what has happened to their child. And sometimes they seem to know more than they let on. Like Casey Anthony. And the John Benet Ramsey case. We are determined to do our part to find missing children. And the truth when the story of their disappearance doesn't hold up. Together, we will blast the shadows with light so that no more children disappear into the void. Children of the Void debuts in September. Join us so we can all make a difference. Please subscribe. Until then, I'm Rachel Telfor. And I'm Michelle Gower. You can catch Children of the Void on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, and everywhere else you get your podcasts. Hey, Morgan Rector here. I'm just dropping a line to say thank you to all of my Patreon donors. Since I'm not a Joe Rogan or Mark Marin. Podcasting is more or less a starving artist gig for guys like me. Patreon donations keep me from having to take a job 
that would take away from my ability to generate more Human Monsters content. The website URL for Patreon is www.patreon, that's spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N, dot com slash leader O-N-E, leader one. A way to make a one-time donation is to send it through PayPal at morganrector331, rector spelled R-E-C-T-O-R, at hotmail.com, morganrector331 at hotmail.com. You don't have to give a large amount of money if it isn't possible. If a dollar a month or a dollar one time is the best you can pony up, it would be gratefully accepted. I know how hard things are for everybody during COVID. Thank you for all the support you have given the show, whether it is through financial donations or simply by listening. I am grateful for all you have given to me and the program. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the True Crime News. This is a special episode about cults and the experiences of three people who grew up in one called the Faith Assembly, whose leader was Hobart Freeman. Their names are Joshua Wilson, Bill Selby, and Havana Sophia. They experienced traumas that continue to haunt them to some degree today. However, they are brave survivors and their efforts to overcome this hardship were inspiring to Rachel and myself, and I'm sure they will affect you in the same way. Enjoy. All right, welcome to the True Crime News, and we have a special edition this week because we're speaking to three people who have been in cults in the past. I've always wanted to do an episode about cults, and um, but I never knew which one to focus on. Um so, yes, today we have, aside from my co-host, Rachel Telfor, and myself, Morgan Rector, we hi, have hi. we have Havana, Sophia, George Selby, and Joshua Wilson. Nice to see you, Hello. everybody. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. All right, so what I'm going to focus on, just to begin with, um, and I'm going to go around um, one by one, rather than have you, you know, kind of talk in, over each other, is... Uh, my first question is, how did you become a member of the cult? Were you born into it or were you a convert? Um, how about we start with Havana? Um, or what was the cult, actually? Is what I want to know first. Before yeah, we we're going yeah, to get to that. Yeah. Oh, okay, sorry. So yeah. I was, I was um, born into the cult. My parents and I, uh, my, both of my parents were not. They joined. I was born into it. Um, and was a part of it for 18 years because my father was one of the pastors in the cult. And then I was actually kicked out of my home and I was homeless at 18. So I was in the cult from birth till 18. Wow. And uh, how about you, George? Uh, this is Bill, please, though. I, <laughs> I don't, um, I go by Bill. Bill. But anyway, oh, that's all right. Um, 
I don't know how my first name came up on there, but I don't like it. (laughs) But basically, we were, um, my family, my mom, my dad, me and my sister, we were were part of a Baptist church until probably I was, I want to say, four or five, maybe six. And um, I don't know how we wound up going to this church. It was um, held in somebody's house, and there, the, the place was cram-packed full and everything. And um, we just started going there instead. And for some and for some reason, you know, it was, it was apparently a sin for my mom and dad to be together or married because both of them had been married previous times. So essentially what they were saying is my sister and I were products of sin. So they, they made my, um, they basically brainwashed my mom into divorcing my dad. And, um, and she went on this quest about trying to find her first husband who was just basically a college fling that they got married because she had gotten pregnant. And, you know, my that was dad, it both you and your and your sibling from the same person? Yeah, we have okay. a, um my sister and I have an older brother out there somewhere that we've never met. Oh wow, okay. And uh, go ahead. And Joshua, how how did you come to be involved? Well, uh, my dad was uh, in college and my mom was in college. He was going to go pre-med. She's going to be a nurse. But along to Winnemac, Indiana, came a, an evangelist from the cult. So they both dropped out of school, got married when they were 20 or 21, and they had me. So I was born into uh, Hobart Freeman's Faith Assembly, and my formative memories are going to the main church. Okay, so you were all a member of that, of that organization? My my father also dropped out of college too, because the the Lord called him to this new calling. He, he dropped out of college as well. I was in a satellite group that was based out of Florida, but Faith Assembly had um, I mean it had branches all over the United States and even in other parts of the world and over in Europe as well. My father's church is still going. So this is kind of oh, like really? children, it's kind of like the children that God called. To- trying to take over the world or convert the world, I guess? Um, nothing as um, demented and disgusting happened with Faith Assembly as happened with um, Children of God. But had had this had this um, main um, pastor, you know, Pastor or Dr. Freeman, had he, had he not died, and I'm sure we'll get to his death later, but had he not died, who knows what would have become of them? You know, who knows what would have what faith assembly would have become yeah they do tend to be very leader focused i noticed so like my the church i grew up in which my dad eventually became the pastor of um was also like a satellite church based out of new hampshire we would also visit another church in maine um my dad's church is still a formed church it's a very small home church but um really fucked up demented stuff went on in that church and in my family and he's still running that church leading that church and they still like i went through years of literally just sitting in church listening like sitting in church listening to hobart freeman's tapes like my dad wouldn't even teach sometimes we'd all just sit in front of a tape player for hours and listen to this dead man preach at us and then we would follow all of his teachings wow yeah, that's an easy gig. That's an easy gig for your dad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. So Rachel, uh, 
Next uh, um, question's yours. I have like 50 zillion questions right now. So, um, okay. So, because for the listeners, so Faith Assembly is kind of like the umbrella name for, mm-hmm. let's say, the, relig- the religious the religious belief that you were following, the cult you were following. Um, yeah, Faith, Faith Assembly was the umbrella. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, there was a lot, a lot of satellites kind of sprung out, particularly the Midwest, but all the way to Maine, like Ivana said. And, and uh, there were even a few satellites in Germany and, and England and things. So he had like an international radio ministry and he tried to you know spread the good word everywhere okay okay example like faith assembly is the umbrella like name but like my dad's church was called upper room faith assembly and then like the church we'd go visit in vermont was like christian faith assembly we called it cfa but like wait a minute havana your your yours was upper room Mm -hmm. so was mine at one point really back back in the 80s now there was there was a um came from because he he started in indiana and then he when he moved out here like i don't know out he probably everything because no do you guys all know each other only previous to this um previous to this interview kind of there's like a um facebook group for like i don't know i call like survivors it's just like children of faith assembly and we've all like kind of people post in there about anything and everything related to like surviving faith assembly basically so we all kind of and josh and i have actually met a few times in person so that's wonderful um okay so since you two of you were born into this um if you can remember or know anything describe kind of the indoctrination or brainwashing process of this religion slash cult uh cult um and then how did the the leader, which would be, I'm assuming, Hobart Freeman, I don't know a lot about this, so I'm very excited, um, convinced his followers that what he was telling and his beliefs was true. Josh, why don't you take that? So um, he was a very charismatic guy. He had his doctorate uh, from a a, a very conservative uh, Grace Seminary, I believe it was, in, in Indiana. So, and it was a time of kind of tumult, a uh, tumultuous time, I, I think, the, the early six, or late 60s and early 70s, uh, when people were questioning lots of things, and here was a guy with all the answers. Yeah, no uh, kidding. Very charismatic, uh, authoritative, he just kind of one of those personalities that, like, he spoke and he can, that everyone stands up to attention kind of a thing. Um, and I think he started out fairly, you know, not too crazy, but he just kind of got a little... Uh, more deeper and deeper th- throughout the years. And I think that's kind of how, like, my parents were good intentioned. They weren't, you know, trying to be evil people or trying to get in a cult. They thought they were doing the best thing. And this guy got crazier and crazier. And my parents and other people just kind of followed him along. I, I I was recently listening to another podcast on another cult. And actually, this was a, a really great analogy. It says, if you throw a frog in boiling water, he's going to jump out because he knows he's dying. But if you put him in a, in a pot of stagnant water and slowly heat it up, mm-hmm. they will die because they mm-hmm. don't realize that mm-hmm. they're following that process. Yeah. Um, do you think maybe that's kind of how he started? Like, he's like, oh, let me, I have this crazy vision. Maybe I'm, you know, smoking some weed. I don't even know. It was the 60s <laughs> and 70s. Who knows? You know what I'm saying? But it caught traction and then maybe grew 
And I, I'm speaking from what I've learned from adults, meaning adults when I was a kid, and their memories more than mine, because I'm not sure I'd trust my judgment, you know, as a three-year-old or four-year-old. Back. <laughs> no kidding. But, but, but what you said is exactly as they've described it. Yes. Okay. That fro- the, the frog in the boiling water uh, slowly just putting the temperature up and up, I think is a good analogy. Yeah, I think I, I like that, too. Another thing that plays into it a lot is, um, so... Hobart Freeman died before I was born, but I'm still affected by him because my father was so affected by him that it got spread into another generation. Like I can hear Hobart Freeman's voice in my head because every night my dad would listen to tapes and tapes and tapes of his next to my bedroom and I would just hear him. But my dad and him, I think, have a lot in common because same thing with my dad. Like, like I remember when I was four, I was allowed to celebrate birthdays. By the time I was like 10, birthdays were not allowed to be celebrated. Like my dad also continued to get like more and more wrapped up in like what laws he would put on his church. And I think that has a lot to do with a narcissistic personality as well. I think once this narcissistic person like Hobart Freeman or my father starts to kind of like feel the power that they have, they become addicted to it. And then they want to throw another rule on and see everyone bend to their favor and then throw another one. And they just like, they're kind of feeding their own ego through this like religion that they're kind of creating. And I think that's a huge part of it as well. And now next thing you know, if you created an entire world and you've made yourself into a monster and like, you have to live in denial now because you fucked yourself over. So I mean, well, how so many, another how way, many, uh, go Bill, sorry. Another way that they, that they were able to basically slowly turn up the temperature of the water is they mm-hmm. would get in there and they would isolate you. They'd isolate all of your friends. Our, our church, our religion is the only religion where the only people who are Christians, everybody else, unless, unless you're part of this church, right. everybody else is going to hell. So immediately yeah. all of your friends and family and everything, they, they convince you that your friends and family outside of the church are evil. I mean, my mom okay. didn't talk to to, um, to my grandmother for several years because my grandmother was, you know, just just blown away how stupid, you know, about how stupid this this whole thing was. My dad, you know, like I said, even though even though they divorced my um, he divorced my mother, my dad, I mean, he he showed up there every every week to go to church when you know when he could just to be around me and my sister. But he mm-hmm. hated my mom for it for a long time, and he hated the church the entire time. But um. <laughs> But that's 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 a big part. They isolate yeah. you and they get you they get you beat down and and questioning everything. You get to you get to the, the point. I mean, it's it's a, it's the uh, I, that's I, brainwashing. I, I it is brainwashing, yeah, it isn't is brainwashing. it? Brainwashing. Kind of kind of like how kind of like how people today freak out if they don't if you don't have a mask that's, on. That's that's what yeah. that's the way we were. Whenever we were around, somebody would say a Kiss T-shirt on or an Iron Maiden T-shirt or what? Oh my God, the, the blood of Jesus! The world. They protect us from the world and weaponize it. It's that's so scary. Like and as children to be in so young when you don't have a choice is ter- is just mind blowing to me. Even like other churches and other pastors are are false prophets, and it's just the devil disguised as a godly person, so that these people think they're following the Lord, but they're really following the devil. And like we're the only ones that have actually figured it out. We're the chosen people. Like you are so lucky that you are with these people that are God's right-hand people. Like everyone else thinks they figured it out and they're the ones that are brainwashed and they haven't figured it out. And like, 
then you get out and you're like, holy shit, you were the false prophet. Yeah. I think <laughs> I, that actually segues really well into a really important question before we delve further, because I literally could talk to you guys for a very long time, um, that Morgan has uh, up next. So Morgan, yeah. if you want to ask that question, because I'm, I'm dying. Yeah, well, I mean, it kind of, it's actually a good segue into this question. Um, so, mentioned, yeah. so there's the there's the belief that you guys were the only, were the true religion, whichever religion believes, of course. Um, so what were uh, the cult's uh, core beliefs aside from that? What, you know, every everyone has its own belief system and you got to memorize it. You got to know it backwards and forwards. So what were the, the beliefs? The for me, the, the main thing that I feel like I remember being just, like, taught all the time was um, faith, divine healing, and modesty. That's, like, I feel like my entire childhood was revolved around those three things. Divine healing is basically believing that God is capable of healing any problem that you have with your body or mental state and it's basically relying on your faith in him so if you're sick and you're not healed it's because you have sin in your life and it's your fault you need to repent and then god will heal you and then there's the whole faith thing like don't buckle your seatbelt, don't go to the doctor don't do anything god will protect you don't even lock the doors he'll keep your house safe if you have to lock your doors that means you don't trust in god to keep your house safe like all of that type of stuff. And then modesty. My dad and Hobart Freeman, all they talk about is how a woman dresses and how a woman behaves and don't cause your brother to stumble and be meek and quiet. And Proverbs 31 woman, Proverbs 31 woman, that's a chapter out of the Bible. Like for me, my personal experience, those were the three main things that I feel like were just the main beliefs. I feel like particularly the women and, and girls were gaslighted way before it was cool. Oh, yeah. 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 Jeff, do you have, or I'm sorry, Bill, do you have the same, um, what, do you have anything different to add to well, what you believe? Yeah, faith, faith healing, faith healing was basic, was the, was basically the foundation for all of it. Um, and, you know, they, but between the churches and all the satellites and everything, there were over, hundred people that died of um of things that were medically preventable like hobart oh, yeah. freeman himself hobart freeman himself died of preventable diabetes complications i had two brothers that died and they didn't need to and, oh my gosh oh what did they die from sorry uh you know yeah, my that's horrible uh, i had a brother that died uh the day after he was born and basically we never really got an answer of why but um i know the story of when he died and 911 was not called before they started laying hands and praying on a child that oh, wasn't. Oh my God. And my mom had another brother. He was stillborn. Um, but I, the, with you see a midwife and you don't ever get a scan of the baby and you don't see a doctor, I'm pretty sure it was just the umbilical cord was like around his neck, which is, I mean, I'm not saying it was absolutely preventable, but it's something that could have had mm -hmm. medical attention, which there was probably. Absolutely. Yeah, that happened to me, but I was saved, you know. Happened to my son as well. He would have died had it not been for medical intervention. 100% he would be dead. I was about six years oh, sorry, go on, Joshua. Sorry. I was about six years old when um, uh, I remember the baby kicking. The baby is about to uh, to be born, and we, we went off to a friend's house, um, friends of my parents, uh, and they, of course, had the, had the babies at home. There's no hospitals or doctors or anything like that. 
And when, when I came back all excited to, uh, you know, hold the baby and stuff like that, um, uh, I was told he was he had gone to be with Jesus. And uh, what had happened, uh, I, my understanding now as an adult was he was born breech, and that, that would have been a fairly routine thing in a hospital. But um, This was your sibling? Yeah. Would have so you brother. also lost, oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was oh. my brother, Joseph Michael. So, yeah, I... Um, uh, but then the last five years, I, I, I'd never been to his gravesite, and so I went to, to that and visited that, and um, it was fairly emotional. Like, it was, I mean, I expected it to be emotional, but it was a lot more emotional than I thought, um, so um, I guess wow. I finally grieved, <laughs> like, five years ago. So, uh, Ivana, is your, is your mother still involved with that organization? Yeah, she's still married to my dad i'm one of including the two brothers that i lost i'm one of seven children and i after i got kicked out was shunned from the family and the church and at this point in my life i only have a relationship with my sister who also got out um and not really any relationship with the rest of my family every once in a while like a kind of a formal email or something from my mom but at this point they are not willing to recognize that there's elephants in the room to work through and so i don't have the emotional availability to fake a relationship with them anymore good for you so that's, that's the of, healthiest thing you can yeah, do i have honestly. my good for family you. now I joshua are you sorry sorry to interrupt you man go ahead no worries. uh joshua are you uh are, is your mother still in that organization as she left no all of my family uh my immediate family are have have left it uh they have their own varying degrees of religion but it's not nearly as um as harmful um or as, as kind of unconventional as, as uh, the faith healing cult was so how does your mother now feel about not seeking medical attention for that sibling of yours my i, I feel like I, I i'm not sure she's ever forgiven herself um i would hate to be in her shoes because you know at the time she thought she was doing the right thing and then kind of once she got out of that whole, you know, repeating uh, whatever it is that keeps you in and actually got yanked out of it, um, uh, she just she she just can't believe it. Um, and it's um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> she feels awful. Um, That's heavy. Yeah, yeah, she'll probably never get over it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Bill, yeah. did you have any uh, losses or anything that stands out something along the same lines uh, for you throughout your experience? Not in my family. But there, there was, I can remember there being one woman there who was, um, who was, who was pregnant, like visibly pregnant, and everything. All of a sudden, you know, she, she had a, um, a tubal, you know, a, a miscarriage. Or, I don't, I'm not sure exactly what pregnancy. it was. Yeah, and um, and they, they wound up, they wound up taking, uh, taking her to the hospital because laying on the hands wasn't working, and the, thank God the woman survived. But. Um, but they were basically kicked out of the church for going to the doctor. Oh, wow. Wow. Well, yeah. I have a distant family that at one point was a part of the church, and they had twins, and one of the twins was born with a cleft palate and cleft lip and wasn't feeding well, and they finally brought her to the hospital to get a procedure done, and then they got kicked out of the church. Damn. Well, they That's did the heavy. Thing, so. That's heavy stuff. I remember I was I was seven years old, or maybe actually I was a little older than that. But one of my kids, Al, or my one of my friends, Alex, had died. His parents, um, and I think this was almost like a sudden heart attack, with like kind of a weird thing for a kid. But I think it was almost sudden. Like maybe maybe had they called nine one one, he wouldn't have made it anyway. Who's to say? Possibly. But but anyway, I remember the preacher from the church 
later talking like and he and he me even me i think i was actually sixth grade at the time picked up that he was talking about how there was a lack of faith and he was highly implying that the kid kid alex was dead because his parents didn't have enough faith so it's like it's just it, uh, as an adult it's it's enraging to 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 think that that's how they treated the people whose kids had died because they, they tried to do you know what what the church said it's the, thing is, the thing about it, the thing about it is, whenever somebody died, you know, of something preventable or whatever, it was always, oh well, they they must not have been as strong as a Christian as they needed to be. They didn't have enough faith. But when yeah. Freeman died, it was God just called his brother home. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, hypocr- hypocrisy. Yeah. Reminds me a lot of Scientology. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, not a lot, but the cultiness <laughs> of it. Well, yeah. Do you find actually uh, that Scientology and the Jehovah's Witnesses that they kind of function like a cult? Absolutely. I don't know enough about other uh, other cults for whatever reason. I just, I mean, it's funny because I remember like watching my dad debate with Jehovah Witnesses on our front porch, on our front porch, you know, and like they're the ones that are brainwashing their people and they need to it was funny because they had nothing they didn't know what they were walking into because they knocked from door to door they they think they're the ones in in the control and then they would show up at my dad and they had something else coming at them and they were i like, can Wait. only imagine what that conversation <laughs> was like kind of funny but like i don't know enough about other cults but it is funny when if i'm you know starting to get to know somebody and it kind of comes up it always comes up that i was grew up in a cult because I'm so culturally unaware because I was basically locked in a house for 18 years. So people reference cultural things. I just don't know what they're talking about and, or I have weird anxieties about things or whatever it is. So if you get to know me long enough, you're going to find out about my, my, the first 18 years of my life. And then when I start to tell someone about it, the first thing they say is, Oh, it's like Scientology or, Oh, it's like, and they start listing off trying to associate it. I mean, do do both uh, Bill and Josh, do you also both, um, now being out kind of do you not like using that as an identifier of your past or, or how have you worked through that? Go ahead, Bill. I'm sorry. Say that again. I, I just want to know as now that you're out, um, how, how, how have you gotten past kind of letting that define you or do you think it still does define you? Um, do you, are you readily able to talk about it? Is it something that you want to talk about or how do you, how do you pro- progress now from that? I guess probably a later question, but I just, it came up cause she mentioned. Well, that's, no, that's not a leader question at all. I have no problem calling it a cult. I have no problem talking about it with people. I have, you know, I, I, I wear it. I wouldn't say as a badge of honor, but more like a, more like a badge of warning for other people. Because, I mean, I didn't have any say in what, what happened, but my parents did. And if they could get, you know, well, they didn't get my dad, but if they could get my mom, then, um, then I mean, they can pretty much, you know, they can pretty much get anybody. Because we were, yeah. you know, we were happy little Baptist family before, you know, before that. I don't know how, like I said, I don't know how they wound up going there for the first time. I can't, I can't remember that, but. Um, but I'm interested. Yeah, you know, I, I don't. come back. I don't. <laughs> don't, don't. Um, that's that's hard to do. <laughs> neither yeah. one of them are, are with us anymore. Oh, they're but, both passed. Um, okay. Did they pass while in the church yeah. or? No, no. My at, when my the, the um, satellite or group the that we were in, the cult that we were in, crumbled after Freeman died. 
and okay. um, everybody just went their separate ways and all that stuff. My mom drifted around trying to find something similar or whatever. Um, ultimately, she wound up fi- finding this um, this this pastor of a of a legit Christian church, mm-hmm. and who um, and she wound up marrying him, and he deprogrammed her. So, oh, good. You know, yeah, my mom and my mom and I, you know, we we were on good terms when when she passed. Oh, that's oh, great. That's, that's, nice that's a blessing. Well, I say blessing loosely. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good that it had a happy ending. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. I I actually was also raised Baptist. I don't have any bad experiences from my Baptist upbringing, and also Seventh Day Adventist. But I am now an agnostic atheist. I kind of had an evolution, like. At first, I, I didn't want to tell anyone. I was embarrassed about the cult, and then I wore it like on my on my sleeve. I would tell everyone inappropriately, like I meet you, I tell you two minutes later. I like, respect the hell out of that man. I really do. So that was, and then I guess now it's like I, it's got to be. I, I I might bring it up, but I have to know you quite a while. I, I, for for me, it's like more like I've had a lot of therapy. I've journaled. I meditate. Like I feel like now I'm, I'm more of a message of hope. Like hey, you can get Good. we can all get through this, you know. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. For me, I, I'm 28, and that was 18 years of my life. That's still more than half of who I am. And it is a really hard thing because it's like if you're with a group of people and you're hanging out and whatever, it's like you don't really know me unless you know that. But that's also like a really big bag of shit to just drop on someone you just met. And then it kind of make you freeze in this anxiety of like, do you just fake it and try to fit in? Or do you just be right right up front about it? And like it has taken a lot of therapy to work through that. But I do happily talk about it because I do think it is a it's a part of my identity. I don't want it to be my whole identity, but that was I'm glad more of my life was that than it has been out. I've only been out for 10 years. And a lot of that has just been like, like he said, reprogramming myself. Like, So <laughs> this is like and before we get too much into your afterwards, let's stick. Up. So we know the the penalties for you kind of talked about your penalties for not following and the church's wishes with going to a medical doctor, you know, the women had to dress a certain way. Were, were you, were people rewarded for conforming to the rules? No. And if so, how? No, it, no. There was, they weren't re- rewarded for conforming. You were just expected to conform. And that was, that was it. I mean, there, yeah. there was no rewarding. You're, you're doing, you're doing what God expects of you. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The only thing Very that, authoritative. Yeah. There's kind of oh. like we were talking about before this, like feeling like you you are a part of the inner circle of the holiest of holiest of people. So it's just kind of like this feeling of like I remember like when I got baptized in with the Holy Spirit and became born again and just like people from the church being like, welcome to God's family. Like, you know what I mean? It's just a, like the only reward was just like you finally did it good. Like. Yeah, it's that you're not going to go to hell and die. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. Like, it's like being joined into a sorority or something. Like, now you're cool. <laughs> Do you have a baptism date? Um, I was baptized three you're times. Three? So, oh, okay. Yep. I was baptized once by my father, and then when I got kicked out, I joined another church, and then they told me that baptism didn't count, and I needed a new one. I love that, don't you? That, and then I joined another church, and then they had to rebaptize me, and then I was like, fuck this, I'm out. And then, yeah. Yeah, well, no church uh, divorce, <laughs> I guess you can't. Yeah, divorce there's no hope. They all screwed me over, and I don't have any trust anymore. <laughs> oh, okay, so um, we've mentioned like shunning and excommunicating as a punishment. 
what punishments uh, did you experience while you were still a member in good standing? Uh, if, you, if you broke any of the rules, if you watched secular entertainment, which I imagine must have been taboo, uh, but say you did anything, what, what kind of punishments came your way? I was saying to on who caught you. <laughs> what was that? Listen, it depends on who caught you. That's okay, elaborate. That's so if, true. Um, like if, like if, um, if, if like my mom caught me or whatever, it would just be an ass whooping once we got back home. But if, um, if somebody else caught you, like if, like say, um, somebody saw you walking out, walking out of a movie theater, but and you had just gone to see Star Wars or something like that, then um, they would report it. And you'd have to you'd have to get up in front of everybody and and, and renounce your sin. <laughs> so corporal punishment was okay, just oh, so we're, oh, yeah. okay, great, that's fantastic. But don't wear freaking clothes above your knee. But go ahead and beat the shit. Okay. As a young teenage girl, I stood up in front of my church and apologized and repented to the church for having a crush on a boy. Oh my god. Oh man. It, it was common to make a kid like go. Get the own switch, get a switch off of this mm-hmm. tree that you're gonna get beaten with. Like that was you hear that as an old joke or whatever. Like that, that's we did that. No, I actually did have to do that too. That I, was also, just I also got spanked. I also got spanked until I I got spanked and up until I was 18. 18. Oh wow. What? That is yeah. sick. And my the last spank I got when I was 18 was for something I did when I was seven. You've got to be kidding me right now. When I was seven, I was going to get a spank for say, asking my mom why instead of just being obedient to what she told me to do. I said why, and I was going to get a spank. And I didn't want to get the spank. I was so scared of getting a spank from my dad. I told my dad that I wanted to accept Jesus Christ as my savior. But I was faking it because I just didn't want to get a spank. But then later, years of brainwashing, and my dad keep telling me, you're not behaving like a Christian. I don't think you're really a Christian. I finally, this was the whole double baptism thing. I finally told my dad, I was faking it when I was seven. Now I want to become a Christian. And he said, well, to make this right, you need to get the spank that you were supposed to get when you were seven and lie that you wanted to become a Christian. So then I took wow. that. Yeah. Well, and uh, one wow. thing that's a commonality in a lot of cults um, is that not only does the leader become corrupt, but sexual abuse, particularly of underage females, tends to become pro- a problem. Yeah. Uh, did that happen within this organization? That you, yeah. you're... My understanding is that it was ran rampant. I did. I was lucky enough to not personally experience it. But my, but it, boys and girls. I don't know if there's necessarily more boys or girls, but I, I think there was a lot. And there are predators that are kind of known to people that were kids my age. Um, and 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 people shared stories and stuff and yeah they it, I don't think it was necessarily by the leaders but there's no there's no church board there's no accountability so they pretty much had had a heyday. So no one. I was on a podcast a few months ago and I talked about a little bit about my experience of being sexually abused and I can't give too much detail because it would very obviously expose another victim because of how small the church is and I don't no think problem. that big must be exposed. After saying that I was sexually abused within the church, I, not even after that, after the podcast, I got over 75 messages from people just saying like, oh my gosh, I related so much. At least 20 wow. women that they were sexually abused within the church. Oh my God. And I, I within faith assembly? Within faith assembly? Yep. Within all different satellite churches, people reaching out to me and telling me that they were. So we were these, you were underage, obviously. Yeah. Because you, yeah. you were the perpetrators were they members of the administration? 
or were... no they were uh no because like the administration of my the church i grew up in was just my dad like he was oh, the yeah. so um it wasn't my father but do you know he do you know uh, and please don't answer if it's too yeah. personal do you know if he was aware of it um he i don't i don't think he, i never told him he okay. very much could have been it was okay. happening right under his nose but okay um i did tell my people afterwards and they just completely disregarded it so okay yeah wow um, i've heard stories of multiple people where like the same abuser like would just like have his way with like multiple siblings in that family like here here's a nice catch of a family and then just, oh, wow. yeah. yeah so much for modesty right yeah ex exactly you know no, for somebody it, who's preaching modesty and even so it's my fault like how do you answer to a god that you believe in when committing things is that i i it's it's crazy mm -hmm. and i understand it is a cult and and it's just that frog in that water and if i were put in that situation i can't tell you that i might not have done it especially being born into it but now that you're on the outside to think about how you can justify those actions mm -hmm. is just mind-blowing yeah and very narcissistic you're completely mm -hmm. you hit the nail on the headline i think when you said that because it it is a lot of these stories that we hear or even morgan and i when we talk about serial killers there's a lot of narcissism involved and in just thinking oh, yeah. and that you can get away and pushing boundaries and people allowing you to push those boundaries yeah because people are scared especially well, when you've I cut mean, them the, off mm -hmm. well, it, as far as i mean it's as far as um like faith assembly versus say children of God or whatever, or, or, or the people's temple, which of course, Jim Jones and all that stuff. I mean, you know, it, it, it's pretty tame, but a lot of, but a lot of it is just a matter of, of how long were they allowed to continue? I mean, Jim Jones, when he started off, he was a, he was a really great proponent for um, equal rights for black people. And, yep. you know, he, I mean, he, he, he did a lot of good. And then all of a sudden he just, you know, something busted loose in his head, and he just, you know, turned into a, a psychopath. And that I think that when Freeman died, I think that that was probably starting to happen with him, with him, start, starting to. Do you and, think maybe it's but, best that, what if he would have, maybe it would have gotten worse if he would have survived? Oh, if, if I, I had a chance to meet him at this age... I would have had words with that man. <laughs> and by the way, going back to what you said, Bill, I don't, this isn't light at all. This is absolutely horrendous. My heart goes out to you. I admire each and every one of you for being able to talk about it and to help people that are in some other situation, even remotely like this. Um, they have hope. So don't, I, I yeah. not light at all. It's equally well, I, as I, bad. I, I mean, I, I was just like, you know, like Jim Jones, I mean, you know, he, he killed everybody in his, uh, in his temple and everything. Yeah, I mean, it, we, we weren't, to, we weren't to that point, but who knows what would have happened if Freeman had stayed alive and but people did you know, die. I, yeah, this is true. This is true. Um, but I just, um, my, my biggest, I don't know, maybe I, maybe I'm trying to sugarcoat it a little bit. To where it doesn't seem like it was as bad as it actually was maybe maybe that's you know maybe maybe i'm 
compartmentalizing or something like that. I don't know, but, um, but I, I mean, yeah, it, it was bad. Yeah, it was, it was really, it was really bad. I mean, yeah, you don't really know who, you know, like you go to, you go to school, you have to go sit in the library when somebody's having a Christmas party and don't even, don't even think about, um, participating in the Halloween, um, the, the Halloween, that Halloween celebrations and, in class and all that stuff because oh if you do that you you might as well just go to hell <laughs> were you made fun of by peers because you didn't um yeah. were yeah. you ridiculed and, and made fun of in school and yeah i mean another I, horribly unfortunate situation i was homeschooled my whole life but like in the neighbor we went to a homeschool co-op where mm -hmm. the the people that went to the co-op weren't a part of the cult um so they dressed normally and celebrated holidays and had birthday parties and I'd have to say no to sleepovers, no to birthday parties, no to Christmas parties, no to Christmas presents. And got made fun of for what I wore. And, every, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I went trick How did you guys dress? What was your normal dress attire to go to school? Or, like, out in public? What, what were you, especially, I'm so sure, as a female, mm -hmm. what was the dress yeah, code? Havana, you can take that one first. Women were expected. Mine's pretty boring. Women were expected. Wear dresses um, well below the knee. Um, there, one of the things that was really a mental manipulating, confusing situation was like sometimes my sister and I would not wear a dress; we'd wear a pants or something. And my mom would like allow it and not like report it to my dad. But then if my dad found out, she also wouldn't stand up for us or like speaking, oh. like putting stuff on on the way to home school co-op and thinking oh I'm finally cool I can fit in but then if my dad found the makeup she wouldn't be like oh I let her do that but she also wouldn't say don't do that so I think part of her felt bad and then part of her didn't really have what she needed to have to like stand up and be like I think it's okay or I don't know like I don't really right. know we were expected and most of the time especially at church especially at home sometimes when we went out we would like twist the rules a little bit but uh, a skirt or a dress below the knee, like no, no shoulders showing, like cover your shoulders. Um, even like don't wear sandals. Sometimes some, like my dad, like I said, went through phases. He would start like putting on more and more rules. I remember at one time him preaching about wearing bright colors, how it like attracts oh, attention. Okay. He started getting into the colors of what we were wearing. Um, we had to wear head coverings. Um, uh, like you can't show any like low neckline no jewelry no jewelry at all don't paint your nails um, I was gonna ask about jewelry don't wear in like braids and anything that like attracts a lot of attention like a bun or something like that like um, just anything flashy and my dad would not be okay with it mm. yeah what uh, about you guys what about the men did you guys have a Freeman taught against notice me t-shirts so a t-shirt that had any writing on yes. it was out um adidas shirts and shoes Anything with Adidas was homosexuals. Uh, long. That's purse. the game. Fringe. <laughs> Girls. That was a prostitute purse. Uh, he, there's and these were all I think random comments that popped into his head in, uh, during a sermon, and then like the flag <laughs> that is as like it an just business. became law. Yeah, yeah. 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 There's all kinds of those. Bill probably remembers some other ones that I can't remember. Oh, I was wondering. Um, since you've been out, um, have you seen the movie The Master, which is kind of which is about a cult i haven't seen that have i seen that oh i'd recommend it i'd recommend it because a lot of what you're talking about happens in the movie it's i mean it's fiction but it's also based on how these things tend to develop and it, it sounds like the leader kind of made a lot of things up as he went along right he just 
just yeah. decide, oh, yeah, Adidas is evil. I mean, just, you know, these ludicrous beliefs. Basically, if he, um, if, if he, if he or any of the other, um, you know, um, pastors or whatever came up with something that they didn't like, it was a sin. And all they did was put the two words, spirit of, insert word here, and th- there's another sin. Like, um, like I'm driving, uh, I'm driving barefoot right now, so I have a, I have a spirit of driving barefoot. <laughs> I love driving barefoot, by the way, Bill. I am so there with you. Yeah, like if I would be going through a phase of continuing to try to dress in modestly, my uh-huh. dad would be like, "Here's, let's lay hands on you and rebuke the spirit of needing attention or whatever it was." You know what I mean? Like the, the so it's a whole- uh, yeah. Whatever you're doing in succession turns into a sin, essentially. Yeah. Well, it's like yeah. a demon inside you. Demons were everywhere. Like, we're like if you had ever taken an aspirin, then you got the demon of aspirin. You need yeah. to go through an exorcism. She said the yeah. laying on the hands. Uh, so yeah, they speak in tongues and like to get the demon aspirin out of you. So like, you essentially had hands laid on you constantly. Oh. Yeah, yeah, sometimes in inappropriate ways. Being touched. <laughs> I swear. Yeah. Oh. I'm gonna. Oh. I'm gonna. I'm going to piss every single one of you off right now. Do it. Uh, you can't piss me off, though. I, I, I bet. There was this, uh, I'm, I'm 48 years old now. Um, there was this kid um, in, in my church who was um, the same age as me, except he had um, – there was, there was something wrong with him. I don't know if it was autism or – I don't know. There was something wrong with him. And the guy, he, had, he did not have the ability to speak words, like real words. And he was a – my age, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, nothing ever changed. Um, and every every so often, his mom would trot him up there, and these brethren of the church would lay hands on him, screaming at this demon to release release um, this child. And this kid's scared to death. He's screaming. He doesn't know what's going on. He can't tell that. anybody what's going on because he's um, because he's 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 not you know he's he's um, mentally non-verbal. disabled, nonverbal, <laughs> and you know, and every time. Now, fast forward, fast forward about um, you know, ten, fifteen years. I, for whatever reason, went to this revival um, at a at a big church in my area, and guess who I ran into? Oh, that shit. woman and her son were there, and that and her son, he remembered me. I could tell by the way kind of looking at me, but he still could not say a word. She mm-hmm. had never taken him to a doctor. And wow. here he is, a grown man, basically having to be led around by his mother. Oh, oh my God. That's no wonder. Heartbreaking. How much independence is there in a situation like that, you know? Mm-hmm. What torturous. Not. That's torture. There's so many stories like that, too. Yeah. So many. I There's remember one time. Same thing at our church. Yeah. So I remember one time, this isn't exactly the same thing, but like my dad would sometimes just have visions and prophecies. Like we'd just be in church singing our worship songs and all of a sudden my dad would just start yelling this vision or prophecy that the Lord has just given him. And I remember one time he just said, the Lord has shown me that someone in the assembly has like a hurt ankle or something to do with their foot. And like just screaming that like, the Lord has anointed him to heal this foot and like the person needs to step forward. The Lord is like challenging this person to come forward and have faith. And like, 
it was just going on and off forever. And I remember being like, God, there's, there's got to be no one here with a hurt foot because no one's coming <laughs> forward. And finally, like, this kid stepped forward. And I think it was just, like, someone doing something out of peer pressure, you know? And the like just get it to stop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Like, someone's just going to come forward. This kid comes forward, and he's, like, crying and shaking. And I don't think that's the Holy Spirit. I'm pretty sure that's called an anxiety attack. But of yeah. course, we're all reading it as the Holy Spirit is coming on to this, this poor young man who's decided that he's the one with zero faith in her ankle. And my dad, same thing, like laying Oops. hands, praying on him and like, hallelujah, his ankle was healed. And I'm just sitting there like, this is one of my first realizations as a teenager of like, this is not no, like, no one had her ankle here. <laughs> we just willed this into happening so we could all feel really like holy. Like this right. didn't happen. You're giving <laughs> something, you're giving, um, purpose for the day because yeah. nothing crazy is happening yeah, exactly. so let's make something happen yeah, yeah. and Speaking the poor of, kid I've, that must have been traumatizing he probably uh, convinced himself that it wasn't even hurt <laughs> speaking of anxiety um so it's no doubt this whole experience of out of all those years would have impacted your mental health in a chronic way so i was wondering at the time when you still believed in all this you still believed what they told you did you live in a constant state of anxiety and fear and depression? Knowing yeah. as much as you could know as a child, I guess. Yeah, I was. Um, yeah. I felt guilt all the time. I, my first grade teacher asked me why I would always close my eyes in class. And it was because I was repenting for thought crime sin that I was afraid I had committed. And, and I thought if Jesus came back during that time after I had committed that thought crime, and I had not repented yet that I would go to hell. So I was constantly, I was in another, I, I was later diagnosed with childhood PTSD from stuff like yep. that. It was you like, think? It was a common, yeah, yeah. So for me, it was just, it was constant. You, you nailed it, but it was constant. It was like all the time. All the time. Every night I'd go to bed and I'd be doing a tally in my head of like all the holy things I did and sins I might have done. And like, if I die in my sleep, would I go to heaven or hell? And I'd be repenting like all the time and like wondering if, if like you know if I repented and I didn't I repented again does that count or am I screwed over now for good like it was just constantly non-stop giving yeah. self a report Bill, was it the, was it similar for you Bill what now was it similar for you did you also have the anxieties of constant like worry that you you were or were not doing the right thing or worrying about um, what was going to happen next or maybe when I was um really young, like, okay. um, you know, from the time we started going there and it started really sinking in until, uh, you know, probably around 10 or so, maybe 10 to 12 when I started um, rebelling. Ooh. And, uh, and um, I'm still rebelling, but, <laughs> um, but the, but the, basically, I'm, I'm in a, bad traffic jam right now but um basically they would uh, I, I, i'm hands-free don't worry about it <laughs> but i was trying to pull up google maps and it it wasn't giving me the traffic you know it wasn't You're giving a multitasking me the son of a gun i'll tell you what <laughs> good thing a cop didn't see me with my tablet in my lap but um <laughs> but anyway I, I started i started rebelling and the main, main thing the main reason for that rebellion was i started to listen to the testimonies which they would have in the um, in the various you know church services and everything. Like people would get up, oh the Lord did this, the Lord did that, and it's just some of the most ridiculous 
things that you would ever, um, it's, you know, even at 12 years old, this, this yeah. woman, she got, she got, this is the same woman that had the, um, the special needs child. Okay. Um, okay. She got up one, one day and said, um, and said, Oh, the Lord helped me out big time. I was, um, I was, I'd, I'd come out to my car and it wouldn't start. So I laid hands on the car and I, um, I, I commanded it to start in Jesus name and it started. But God told me to drive it right to the auto shop, so I did oh. that. And he opened, and he opened the, the mechanic opened the hood, and he just looked at me with this crazy look in his eye. And um, the battery had been stolen, <laughs> and everybody's just like, "Oh, hallelujah, praise God!" And I'm sitting there going, "This, what a crap!" Bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> that segues and, and into. Then, a, no, go ahead. I'm finished. Finish. Oh, I'm. I'm I mean, I could I could come up. The reason I remember this one so vividly is because I um, got a reaming for it by having the audacity to, to um, question the validity of the statement. But, I, but I'm sure that did. I'm sure that they I've I've got more uh, more that I could share, and I'm sure um, I'm sure it's Josh and Ivana do too. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they did. So many. I, I want to know um, what was. When was your final break? What was it that happened? When did you leave and split? What was your final? What was your final straw? Uh, Me? Uh, oh, I want to hear from all of you. Go, okay. Bill, if you're ready. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. yeah, Bill, go ahead. Okay, yeah. well, I, mine, mine was basically when, um, when. When Freeman died, uh, the whole thing fell apart. Um, you would you would think that the the Pope had died or something like that. By the way, everybody was all crying when the news was broken to everybody, and and um, and basically my you know my mom like I, like I said earlier she she was lost. She didn't know what to do, and she was just trying or trying to find another church, and she was trying to get me to go along with. It you know, to some of these churches with her. And I, I think I was like maybe 13, 14 at the time. And I just mm -hmm. basically said, no, I'm, I'm not going to do it. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I said, I'm, I'm done. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm done going to these crazy churches. You want me to go to a church, find a, find a good one. Yeah. And, and ultimately I wound up moving in with my dad when I had turned 15, but my, my sister, um, she stayed with my mom and she went to a couple of, you know those churches with her, but ultimately she kind of bowed out as well. My sister doesn't have the memory. You know she's three years younger than me, so she doesn't really have the memories, you know, like I do. But mm -hmm. she she remembers some. I mean, we haven't really talked about it, but um, but I mean, I basically, you know, I um, you were questioning it rather young, and I please don't judge me for asking this, but what what are each of your signs? Your uh, your zodiac signs, even though that means nothing to you. But that would have been considered sinful by this. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> you, you take a take a guess as to mine. If you're into it, you probably know which which one I am. Um. Gemini. No. No, I don't think a Gemini. No, I'm feeling uh, a Leo. Close. Maybe maybe a, uh, maybe a Taurus. Virgo. Oh, Virgo. Okay. Well, yeah, that makes sense because eventually Virgo is going to figure out uh, what's really going on. You know, they're in yep. touch with reality. So. Yep. 
So we're the people. I'm not like really into astrology, but no, I, you don't I, need I, to be. It's more for Morgan and I. Sorry, I was being a little selfish in that. Well, no, I do it's think all about there's you. a. I do think that a lot of the um, a lot of the write-ups, you know, describing the traits of people with various signs. I do think that there's something to that because a lot of yeah. the description about Virgos pretty much um, describes me to a T. But that's about as far as I go with it. No worries. Oh, okay. I was just you sound like you were uh, for being that young to question stuff around you is is pretty I mean I don't know if I did it took me a long time I mean I to question my religion I was into my 20s so so how, how long did it take after you left the organization to get to the point where they were no longer in your head where you could you would think like oh I can go and see a movie if I want you know I'm not a bad person like how, how long did it take you to get there I was still scared of hell until into my 30s um wow. and- and even though intellectually I didn't I didn't believe it, I still had that kind of innate, you know, uh, uh, ingrained fear. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think probably at least in my early 30s before that was completely washed away. And, that and then was, I, well, that I was indoctrinated guilt. into, yeah. Yeah, and I carried guilt after that, but we're still working on that. So. Aww. And what was your uh, what Josh? What was your kind of um... breaking point? I was kind of lucky. Camel, camel on the, the straw on the camel. Yeah, my, my, my dad was a number two in the satellite church in Indianapolis, and he got in an argument with the number one over a doctrinal dispute whether or not this guy named Paul King was a prophet or not. Um, my dad said yes. The other guy said no. It turned out that uh, that guy, I guess, later was found to be in the closet or something. And so, like, I don't know. That would have been a whole other scandal. But anyway, we got kicked out of the church. And so slowly, okay. slowly but surely started to normalize. Um, and it like for then we got a TV was a big day first a VCR then a TV and then wow. yeah then cable although he still blocked MTV because that was the devil but um, wow. yeah <laughs> so it was just and how old were you when that happened I, I was sometime in high school I want to say 15 okay. or 16 I maybe even 17 I'm not what sure. a fucking intense time of your life to go from <laughs> a oh, cult man. to like oh here here's modern reality. Yeah, that totally. had to be a mind fuck in and of itself. Yeah, and I had acne. So. Yes. Oh my god. Gee, I mean, for the love of God, we're all going through it. That's just yeah. adding well, to the around 13, trauma. Around, around 13 or so, I started uh, with, well, actually, I started before that. I started listening to heavy metal music. <laughs> and uh, I was okay. I was hiding it. I was hiding it. I would, you know, I was hiding it at first, but around 13 or 14 or so, I started just basically not hiding it anymore. And you know, my my mom was convinced that I was, you know, had sold my soul to the devil because I, I learned, I started, yeah, I, I had known how to play guitar since I was, you know, since I was like maybe six or seven, but I was starting to, you know, get into those minor chords, those devil music and stuff like that. And, um, and, you know, I, I, I just started, I just started doing it. But then when I, when I had moved in with my dad, I was actually allowed to start growing my hair out. I was actually I was allowed to um what Jesus? To, That's awesome. Uh, no, like um like Bruce Dickinson. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but um Love but it. I was but I was able to, but I I had I had gotten with this this group of of kids at, you know the new school that I was in and they were metalheads as well and they were putting together this little band. Right. Turns out it was a Christian band. Oh, shit. And oh, so, but the first the first the first band that I was ever in was actually a Christian band. And um, we played, you know, I played probably, that band was together for three years. I probably played about a hundred shows with them. Wow. And, um, and it was, it was 
it was crazy because you know I, I had never stu- I had never stopped believing in God. I just you know I I thought that that you know this church that I was in was you know a ridiculous pile of crap. Right. And you know and I I wound up going to another church with you know with these groups of people and everything and I and I stuck with it for a long time and then then I had to you know I started adulting. And, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's where it all goes downhill from there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ivana, so what, what was your what was your um I want to know Ivana's Oh yeah, the, what was your breaking point? Her breaking was, point, yeah. yeah. Um so in when I started getting into my teens was when I kind of started uh li- living a double life as my dad called it, which I was doing. Like I said, I started, you know, leave the house, put makeup on, come home, don't. I also secretively listened to music. I had like a little pocket radio hidden in my pillow. I'd listen to that. I think he found that one time. I remember he found a ring one time of mine and put on the floor and stepped on it in front of me. But like, I started living this double life. I started questioning my dad more. Uh, And what's your sign? I'm a Pisces. Pisces. Yeah. Sadly, that's one sign that can be easily brainwashed. Yeah. I'm also a musician. I started writing a lot of music. I remember like, getting in trouble for some of the music I was writing. And Joshua, you play guitar too, right? I saw a guitar. Uh, uh, way badly than these two. <laughs> way worse. That's interesting. You guys all have music, but no, okay. So you did So you did yeah. that. I got actually banned instruments from the church because, I don't know, I guess we were getting too into it and it was becoming about, about us and not God or something. But anyway. The organ. Anyway, I was challenging my dad more. Um. And the night I got kicked out, um, I, my dad was mad about who knows what he would go into like silent treatment phases where he wouldn't really like, to, he would just kind of hibernate in his study and not really talk to the family. And y- you'd all know someone was going to be in trouble within the next few days. You didn't really know who, but someone was really, about, yeah. Oh, he was such an emotionally abusive person to live with. It was terrifying. I was just scared of him all the time. So you guys were, were anticipating then for those three days who was going to. Oh, my, my <sighs> mom, my mom would coach my sister and I in how to communicate with my father. Like she would literally tell us like how to know if he's in a good mood and when to approach him. And she like, she literally, like, we all had to learn what eggshells to walk on around it. Like, it, it this was... This is fucking batshit! Yeah, and that's, like, just besides the whole church stuff, just living with, like I said, a narcissistic person. Like, right! Terrible. And that's why I then dated narcissistic people. <laughs> um, but anyway, he was... I don't know. A lot of it is still a little foggy because uh, trauma. But he was upset. Mm-hmm. And then I remember, I remember him kind of going on a rampage and about how he's just trying to lead a godly family and we're making it hard for him. And I remember him saying like, and you, like you, to me, he was like, I remember him looking at me like, you make, you make it so difficult for me to raise a godly family. And, um, something with me coming, saying to him, like he, and he's like, I was like, well, I just don't agree with a lot of the things that you like want us to do. Like you need to show me b- verses in the Bible that like back up some of it. Cause it was getting to the point where I'm like, you can't even find this in the Bible. So yeah, you're questioning you know, it. You're, you're using dumb, rational thought or there's multiple ways to translate this. So can we at least have a discussion? And then, and he, I remember he called me a wimp and that, that really mm-hmm. hurt me because he's like, well, you're a wimp. You won't even, 
like come to me and talk to me about it. And I was like, dad, I'm scared to talk to you. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I talk to you and I walk away feeling like I've been slapped in the face a hundred times for even trying to talk to you. I, 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 and then he was like, well, then let's have a conversation right now. We'll talk right now. And of course, everything has to be public. The amount of times I got in trouble and the entire family had to come into the living room. Humiliating. Yeah. So we had to have a family. Everyone come to the kitchen. Called my brother. Come home from work. Like everyone come home. Ivana and I are going to hash it out. And at the time, my little brother had an ankle swollen the size of a softball. He was hurt. He had not gotten any medical attention. I had asked him privately if he wished that he could get medical attention. And he was kind of like, yeah, I think I think I kind of maybe would. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying to my dad, um, I almost said his name. My brother is 12 years old. He's perfectly capable of deciding if he wants to see a doctor or not. Yeah. Why can't he make that decision? And then my dad was like, if God was in the room, would you take him to a hospital? Or would you take him to God? And I was like, well, God is not in the room. And if your faith is so strong that you believe God is in the room, that's fine. I also believe that God will meet you where you're at. And maybe my faith isn't there and yours is, but maybe my faith needs to go to a hospital where there's humans that God created that can help me. Okay. And and I remember him being like, well, what else? And I was like, in Massachusetts, they had just passed, passed the mandatory health insurance law. And my dad had just given a teaching on do not get health insurance, even though the government is telling you to get health insurance. Do not get health insurance. And I remember saying to my dad, and this is what pissed him off, I said, you tell us to respect our elders. And the Bible says that the government is your elder and you do not respect your elder. And you are a hypocrite. That was it. He was done. Good job. He he called me Judas, told me that I pretended to love him and I was just waiting to betray our family. And looking back, I should have been like, so if I'm Judas, you're Jesus? Like, and then he's i I know you don't want to live here anymore i had just turned 18 this was five days after i turned 18 and i had been telling my parents i want to move out i didn't want to get kicked out i wanted to move out i wanted to still have a relationship with them just kind of start my own life he was like i know you don't want to live here you need to get out of the house and i was like i don't i don't want to leave right now dad like i'm going to move out but i don't want to leave right now and he's like no you need to get out of the house right now and i was like can we plan it like where am I get out of my house I was like can I just get some stuff get out of the house can I put my shoes on open the door push me out I was barefoot get out of the house and I was out of the house and never went that's back. it mm-hmm. wow holy well, the, crap talking about you know like having the um an injury and not having a you know not going to the doctor for it I mean yes. I I broke my ankle as a as a kid my, my left ankle, and I, I mean, it wasn't like a serious break or anything like that. It was probably just a, a hairline fracture or whatever, but um, I wasn't taken to the doctor. I was, I, you know, to this day, I still walk with a slight limp, and I have no cartilage in my oh. left ankle. Because yeah, absolutely. That's really I also have How a, old were you when that happened? Like six or seven. I don't, I don't oh, I remember. That's when I you're growing that. the most. Right. If you don't I, get something set, you're screwed. But I I remember when that happened. One thing I don't remember happening was, you know, when I finally got my hair, you know, when, after my hair was like really long and I decided to get it cut short, you know, after, after I realized that it's like wearing a wool cap in the summertime. So screw it. Um, I the the, um, the barber, he's, he's you know, got the clippers on the side of my head, finds this scar that's like two inches long at about a 
a quarter inch thick on the side of my head. Wow. And and he's like he's like, What happened here? I'm like, What do you mean? Like you got a scar. I'm like, Really? I do? What? So he puts the mirror up and I and I look at it, and I'm like, I have no idea what happened. He's like, That's a pretty nasty scar. Um so my my mom and my dad were still alive at the time. Neither one of them could remember exactly. My, my dad said something about remembering me, you know, taking a spill and getting a getting a bump on my head as a kid, but could as a kid, how else. old? Do you know? Did he say? He, he he couldn't remember. My mom, of course, had no memory of of the of it either. But yeah, that that scar is still there. So apparently, I. Um, <laughs> Yeah. You had to have had a pretty serious um, injury to leave a scar like that, especially yeah, as it, it, a it, toddler. I have a scar on my I have a scar on my arm that's barely visible. That was like uh, from a from a cut I, I got when I was uh, messing around, and it it was there for like thirty years. It's finally faded to where only I can see it now. Wow. But but that but this one still looks you know it's still bright as day i mean it it sticks up over the over the the skin that's how big of a scar it is hmm. <laughs> and uh and considering that all this happened when you were so young and those are formative years um i'm interested in knowing um how much it has lingered uh, in terms of like having post traumatic stress disorder or something like that so i'll start with avana um i mean you suffered every kind of abuse, including sexual abuse. So does this plague you still? Does it haunt you or have you dealt with it? Uh... Um, I mean, yes, it's haunts me every once in a while, ha- like haunts me every once in a while where I'll just stop in my tracks because something triggers me in such a frightful way that I wasn't expecting. It affects me every single day. Oh, yeah. yeah every single moment of every day sometimes um i've gone through so much therapy that it doesn't like you said haunt me all the time like i'm i'm kind of aware i know what things trigger me like my it, my fiance knows what things trigger me emotionally sexually physically he like i talk with him like the people that are closest in my life they know as well and I, i'm a fairly self-aware person because i've had to be to survive um yeah. But it, it every day, to this day, 10 years later, every single time I get dressed and look in the mirror, I think about what my dad would say about my outfit. Oh, my God. Oh, well, I'm sorry. Because really most girls just like putting a cute outfit on, you know. Oh, honey. Do you, do, you, do you have any children? Yeah, I have a five-year-old son. So how do you feel about how you were raised now that you have a child of your own? Yes. Yeah, I feel... um two things i made a pact with my myself and my sister we we decided the trauma ends with our generation like it it there's no choice the trauma ends um my son does not have a relationship with any of my family he will not i will not allow it to seep into he he will not have two sets of grandchildren but his children will have a healthy grandparent and give it three more generations and hopefully it'll just be something that happened in our family history. Like that's what we've decided. And I do everything in my power to be a nurturing, loving mom. And I've like learned how to reparent myself through parenting him, which has been like very therapeutic and being a mom all on my own and having to do everything by teaching myself how to do it because I didn't learn how to do it from my parents has been like really empowering. 
Like, it's the one thing that I feel very, very confident in because I was so criticized every other part of my life. Like, a hundred people could say, you're a shitty mom. And I'd be like, fuck, you know, I'm not. Because exactly. I, I know that I'm, like, beating all the odds. And my child is smart and happy and healthy and self-aware. And he asks about everything in life. And I let him explore everything in life. And I encourage him to be himself and, like... I continually go to therapy so that I don't let any of the trauma seep into his life or as little as possible. So it definitely affects how I parent, but hopefully in a good way, because I try to be intentional about it. Well, I think you're an incredibly strong, Amazing. despite all that's happened. I think you're holding up really well. There are a lot of people who would not be doing as well as you are. I want to commend you for that. Thank Uh, you, too. Yeah, I want to know about Josh, too. Yeah, do you have any children? Joshua? I don't. Uh, I'm the only one of my of my siblings that does not. So I have tons of nieces and nephews, but none myself. That's totally okay, by the way. Yeah, it, I think it is totally. We could normalize not normalize not having children. If I have a rule. Has it affected your relationships with people in your like? You know, how has it affected you now? Is it still affecting you? Um, I think I started to deal with it professionally like four years ago through therapy and stuff like that. And it has been night and day. It's been a huge lift weight off my shoulders. Um, and I did this stuff called brain spotting. I, and it kind of gave me a new level of awareness why I, I didn't even realize stuff that was triggering me and stuff constantly. And now uh, just with that and, and journaling and, and meditation, I feel like I'm way, way more aware Um and yeah, it sure, it still does affect me. Um, but I feel like it's more like a, um, a blip every now and now and then rather than a crushing weight on my shoulders. Which it was well, that's great. I'm glad that's happened. Uh, Bill, how about you? Do you have any children? Yeah, I have a 25 year old daughter and an 11 year old daughter. And how, how did becoming a parent, uh, did it alter your perspective on your youth growing up in that organization? Yeah, um, my 25-year-old daughter um, had a pretty shitty childhood, and you know, all, all that was because, yeah, I I didn't really know how to. Um, I mean, I, Havana had said that she was, um, you know, wound up dating narcissistic people and stuff like that, and I kind of found when I was younger, I kind of found myself in in the in in the same situation with the the mother of my um 25 year old i mean just an evil person everything i mean i'm not even going to get into anything we split up i wound up with um custody i fought for custody um i wound up with temporary custody i fought for custody i fought till every you know last penny that i had has been drained and then my attorney dropped me like a bad habit um so she wound up going through foster care and she also at one point wound up with with my mother and you know so i've i've done everything i could to try and you know make it up to her and whatnot but um but she you know she's still got a lot of um, resentment toward me and everything for not being able to hold it together and for you know some pretty bad things happened to her while she was in foster care um Um, uh, my my 11 year old is starting to ask questions. You know, she's kind of found out that I was part of a cult. She's asking me. She's you know she's asking me about you know about God is you know is, 
is God real? Is God, you know, what, what's up? You know, what, asking questions about the cult, and my, you know, my family and all that stuff. And uh, I'm also, you know, going through a divorce with her mother. So, How are you handling the questions with her? When, um, are you being, I mean, I am I, a mother of two boys and I find okay it best to be honest. So I'm a, I'm okay, I'm okay with them. I mean, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, yeah, I'm not gonna lie to her. Right. Um, you know, and, and she's, she's nearing that age because at, at like 12 or 13, you know, a kid can decide, um, you know, what parent they want to live with, yeah. you know, and, and she's, and she's starting to ask me questions about, um, you know, about, well, you know, where, where she would want to live because she's, she's yep. well aware that about another year and a half, she's going to be able, able to make that decision should she choose to. And, um, you know, and I'm not trying to steer one way or, or the other. Do I think that she'd be better off with me and my, and my fiance? Yes, I do. But I'm not going to try and steer her one way or another because that's something that, you know, somebody in a cult would do. Exactly. You're doing the best thing you can, honestly, is just being honest, open and real. Mm-hmm. I, commend all of you yes like to the utmost i can't even tell you how strong you may not feel but i think that you are for being the people that you are right now and taking that and and growing from it is very inspiring thank you Yes, thank I'm you. I'm blown sure. away. I am. Bl- I have like goosebumps, and I'm very emotional because that's just who I am. So, um, so let's take it to a positive direction for a moment. Yeah. <laughs> when you had a a positive spiritual experience since you left, where you thought this is the way it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be about love and connection with other people. It's not about shame and punishment and. And or are you yeah. religious at all anymore? Which is yeah, another, question, that another question. Uh, any of you with, uh... I am not religious at all, but uh, the positive and almost religious-like experience, I mean, tripping on acid in college, like, that was just... Thank you, Josh, for bringing... Thank you. Like, it's kind of funny, but, like, that's how I felt at the time, and I feel like that affected me in a positive way. And, uh, you know, come to find yeah. out psychedelics actually do some some mental work or whatever in a positive way. Maybe I got some of that. So. Microdosing well, is a thing, my friend, yes. Uh, how I'm about afraid you? to try oh. that. I think, they would, I, think, I think if I tripped on acid, it would wind up doing something seriously wrong. Yeah, really. don't do that. Just microdose, buddy. <laughs> Bill, don't, don't do that. Don't go in, don't go yeah, in I blind. Just, I just drink beer. That's it. That's all I do. Perfect, so, perfect. Bill, have you, have, have you healed? Have you, have you done therapy? Have you... Um, I've never, done therapy. Uh, I've never done therapy. I, um, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to say, I'm not trying to say that, you know, I, I handled things better than anybody else did. I'm just saying I personally didn't go through therapy over it. Um, once I, once I started living with my dad, I kind of started realizing, you know, once I started like really finding out who I was, you know, and I, and I, I went through some, really some really rough times with my personality as a young as a teenager and a young adult you know not knowing who I was I was scared of everything that moved and all that stuff and you know and I just basically I I was uh, I recognized that this wasn't right you know I and it wasn't just like a, a an awakening like oh my god this isn't right it was I'd think about something 
that I had done a year or two or three um, in the past, and I'd be like, that was stupid. Yeah, don't ever just do, kind of don't a, ever like do a that gradual again. realization, maybe? Yeah. And yeah. and now, I'm, now I'm, <laughs> I told, you know, I've been comfortable with the person that I am for like almost 20 years. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it, but everybody, everybody processes things differently. And, you know, and it, but yeah, just, well, I, am, I mean, I, I, I definitely do, recommend I therapy in, to everyone, literally everyone. I mean, literally but I wasn't, every I wasn't single human being in the world. It. <laughs> but I mean, I, um, it probably would have done, it probably would have done me some good, but yeah, it probably would have done, I probably would have gotten there sooner if I had gone to therapy. But I mean, that's, yeah. I wasn't, I'm not, I'm not knocking therapy at all. <laughs> yeah. No, um, I know. I know you're but, not, but yeah. Cause it, I mean, it's definitely helpful. So yeah. And I, I just <laughs> think that, um, if, you know, you, I mean, it, uh, oh, okay. I, blah, I had no, you're a fine. You're there fine. for a minute. Um, yeah, you, you had asked if, you know, if, if we're so religious, I mean, I do, yeah. I believe, in, I believe in God. Okay. I do. And, um, you know, if I found, if I found the, you know, the right church to go to, I'd probably start going again. But, um, uh, I've set the, I've set the standard pretty high for what a, a good, you know, what I would consider a good church. What is acceptable? Like, yeah. Like a, like, years ago i was going through a pretty a particular rough spot so it's like when people are in rough spots they tend to reach out and try and start going to church again if they weren't if they weren't going and i hadn't been in years so i start going to church you know and like every the first church that i went to they were meeting in a um in like a like a school cafeteria on on sundays i don't know how they did it but whatever and and every sermon was every i went there for about a month and every sermon was we got to grow the church. We got to grow the church. And that's all it was about. Like, okay, exactly. come on. Yeah, um, I, yeah. Another one that I went to, I'm, and I'm thinking this one has cult written all over it. I go there. Um, I was in a bar one night, and um, and I, I started, you know, these um, this man and woman started like talking to me and everything. Turned out they were from this church, and um. Like, oh, it's just a regular church and everything. And I'm like, okay. Um, you know, at, at the time, I hadn't really started researching churches or anything like that. But, if, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of similar to what Church of God, uh, the Children of God did, where by sending people out into the bars recruiting and telling them all that. Now, it wasn't anything like that, but just their method of recruitment right. kind of was. I mean, the, the woman, she, was, she, she looked good, and she was dressed kind of provocatively, like somebody was out at a, at a bar on a Friday night would be, you know. And yeah. um, So there, there, there might have been a little element of that. I only went to one service because as soon as I got there, um, everybody's walking up to me. And um, apparently they had rounded up two other people in the week leading up to that and everything. And we were like kind of group, like had, they had a sit together. I'm like, okay, this is weird. Yeah, and, all of that uh, would immediately turn. <laughs> oh, uh, oh well, uh, uh, it was, the warning bells were going off, but uh, <laughs> it, it, gets, it gets better. So as soon as the, um, as soon as the pastor comes out, he just starts going off on these people, on these, on on this couple that they had just kicked out of the church, like bad mouthing them, like not cussing, but might as well have been cussing. And I'm like thinking, it's like, I, you couldn't have a private meeting with somebody. Do, I'm brand new. Do I need to hear this? Well, isn't I'm, God love? Like, God is love. That's what I was. Like, 
like now I'm looking at it it's like okay if you're trying to be a cult leader you're doing it wrong <laughs> yeah, yeah you're doing it way wrong dude let me get up there and show you <laughs> but so so no, then that's bad. They, these these people they, they take us to the they take us out to for lunch and like so what did you think about it and I w- I went last uh, oh. the, other two, the other two people were like oh I liked it blah 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 and, I, and so what did you think Bill I said I said what am I supposed to think I said your preacher your preacher just did they I pull out like a book? I had of... no idea. I don't. Yeah, I don't know who they. I don't know who these people are. I don't know what the backstory is. All I'm thinking about is that could be me. Yeah. Yeah. That could be me that he's that he's screaming and screaming and ranting. Oh, up, absolutely. Up. Yeah. Be worse. Like, I, I won't be going back. <laughs> well, that's good. So this next you can question. Find all the religion you need out, outside under a tree because that's yeah. that's nature and if God exists then it's in it's in it's in that sunset and it's in a tree and it's on the ground. I agree with that. I've, tra- I've I've been to just about every state in the country. I definitely agree that God Absolutely. is Absolutely. Next- that's where I feel most open. My next question. Sorry, Morgan. Sorry, sorry. My next question, I'm going to pose it to all three of you, starting with Ivana. So if you could get your father's ear for a few minutes and tell him everything you feel about those experiences and the way it's impacted your life, uh, what what would you – and you were just going to dish it out raw – uh, what would you what would you say to him? If anything at all. Damn, my heart literally just like, like <laughs> my body just physically responded to that. I don't know because I've tried so many times. Like I could pull up so like in the last ten years, the first five of them, I I fought really hard, and I sent. There were so many emails, and it's just talking to him I feel like it would have been the same way talking with Hobart Freeman too just from like the way his teeth are it's just let's say he's listening to you he's open to you you have a few minutes and he's going to absorb it all what would be what would you think would make an impact for the person that you know as your father if any or to make you feel better I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind, like it, if I was going to tell him something that he would actually take seriously, which is not ever going to happen, like right. I would be like, dad, you are destroying lives. You're killing people. You're preventing people from being able to exist how they are. Stop. Yeah. I would just beg him. I would beg him to stop. I beg him because there's still people in his church. You know, there's still yeah. children there. Like, it's so unfair. It's so unfair. It's tragic. It's yeah. Tragic. And and those, like I said, like, we have, I'm not exactly sure how old Josh is, but, like, we have three different levels of ages here. And then there's children there that are younger than me. And then they're going to have children. And it's just, like, this is a generational problem and there are still churches out there and there are still people that believe in this. And like, it's so toxic. It's literally destroying lives and it's like not okay at all. And if real, like you are preventing us from seeing it really is because he's turned himself into God, you know? So, and I would tell him to go to see a therapist because he needs help. Amen, (laughs) sister. Yeah. Help.com. But I imagine being so um, indoctrinated into all that, that it probably wouldn't make a difference, right? He's probably it just, because yeah. talking to him is it, it's 
it is such a mind twist. It is such a fog. You walk in there and then you question everything. Like it, it's like walking into a room that just slowly fills with fog and to the That's point a where true narcissistic fog. Like it, it's yeah. it's an absolute. It's it's like when you see a woman. It's an abusive relationship. It's like when you see a woman start to talk to her ex again. You're like, oh shit, she's gonna go back, and then she's gonna think that he's God himself. Give her a couple years and she'll be back on the other side. And it's like, he'll be a monster again. Like you, it's so manipulative. When I got kicked out of my house, I ran to a neighbor's house who actually knew not the extent of everything going on in my life. Cause if I had told her the extent, I'm sure she would have called the police or something, but she knew that I wasn't happy at home. And my dad was very religious. The first thing I did is I said, get me a piece of pen and a paper. And I made a list of all the reasons why I cannot go back home. And for years, I was so scared that my father would be able to convince me to come back home. But I knew in that headspace, I can't go back home. I can't do it. But I also knew I'm capable of being convinced to go back home. And that's a really scary place to be. And I remember telling my neighbor, I said, I don't care if you have to chain me to a wall. Do not let me go home and make me read this piece of paper. And don't let him convince me to come home. Don't let him do it. And he did try to, but I didn't. Good for you. Good for you. Like, it's such a... I wish I could talk to all the people in the church, but rather than him, honestly. Is there any um, support for people um, like you guys that anybody that was questioning could reach out to, like that you're willing to speak of or. I have not ever seen a therapist that like I've had a couple of therapists, some better than others. Um, They've all struggled a lot with helping specifically like cult trauma if that makes mm-hmm. sense like there's yeah trauma- 100- yeah I don't think I've ever seen anybody specializing in I, that kind of I know of one woman but I couldn't afford her and she didn't accept she's out in California and I, I exchanged some emails with her I don't remember her name and it just seemed like the most wonderful thing I wanted to do it so badly but you know the healthcare system is just shit for victims it's absolute shit <laughs> yeah exactly yes. so that worked out um every therapist I've had has had a really hard time with the cult side of it, just because even like a therapist that maybe specializes in religious abuse, I think would be more helpful, but it's like, there's abuse, there's emotional abuse, there's physical or sexual abuse, but then there's this abuse that is like in this God form. So there's questioning, you deserve to be treated a certain way by like a human or something, but then there's trust, like, questioning the validity of your existence you know what I mean like such a good point I've never thought about internally to a completely completely different level like so it's a really hard thing to like overcome (laughs) that's that's a really really very good point I don't believe I've ever heard of anybody specializing in that kind of therapeutic trauma have you uh josh have you like what was your um what what was her the original question morgan you asked uh, well I, I know he, i know he went to therapy but josh yes. would you ever said oh, what would you say parents yes. and yeah so i don't know how i put it into words but i think huh. i would try to express to my dad the extent of the emotional damage that he did to his six kids um and also uh, not only that but to like because uh, he was a preacher so like 
the extent of the damage that he did to other families and other kids. And, you know, in some cases, those kids are passing that down to, to their kids and his own grandkids and all the, you know, uh, just I, I don't know. I feel like he's not aware and I would somehow try to make him aware um, of that. And I don't even know if it would serve any purpose other than make me feel better. Yeah, yeah I guess so. How about you, Bill? Uh, what would you say to your parents about that time in your life? Uh, it's not my parents. It's my. It was just, just my mom because my my oh. dad was just my dad just stuck around. But my dad hated it. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but it's it's just my mom and I've pretty much said everything that you know. My mom and I duped it out for years over this. And um, you know, basically, you know, my my stepfather. You know, both of my parents are gone, but I'm still in regular contact with my stepfather. And um, I mean, I I even I even played guitar at um, at their wedding. Oh, that's yeah, but, fantastic. But, but me and my mom, is, you know, the, it, it, things weren't really all that great between us at that time. I was I think I, I think I was like 20 when 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 they got married. And um, so basically, it, a lot happened. A lot changed. We went from being in the cult to like um, six you know six seven years later marrying a third husband after divorcing my dad and at, at the time I might have had a you know I, I think I think we even had a discussion about that I mean not like my dad would have taken her back anyway but still um, I mean we went back and forth for years and then my my stepfather was able to be a mediator between the two of us and um, like I said he deprogrammed her because he, he's a he's a um, he's a non-denominational uh, minister as well oh, okay um, interesting up in Tennessee, you know, Bible Belt Church and everything. It's oh, yeah. non-denominational and really, really good guy. And he good. he was able to mediate between the two of us and everything. And like I said, you know, by the, at the time, you know, when she passed away, me and my mom had been on good terms for probably about five or six years. Good, 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 good. And uh, was it one practice that happens in a lot of cults is that young girls, sometimes under 18, are they're married, they're paired up with a man, and they start having children. Did that happen in this cult at all? Was young marriage uh, acceptable yeah. or pressured? Um, yeah, I, yeah, like, I remember. I'm assuming there was no sex before marriage. Assuming. Oh, there it wasn't supposed to be, but. Yeah, yeah. yeah except for <laughs> station. Except yeah. for molestation, correct. Right. Um. Basically, I was raised to be a wife. You know what I mean? I wasn't allowed to go to college. Or I remember being like 16, 17, and my mom, she sews. Like my dad's a carpenter. My mom sewed and homeschooled. She would. That was her side job. Like she was a very good seamstress. And I would be helping her, you know, with pillows and ironing and stuff, and just be like, Mom, like, what is my life gonna be? And yeah. it's like, and sew with me and. You'll get married. And I remember my dad one time, like, preaching and talking about how, like, he would not – I remember being so scared, too. He would not give his daughter away to someone that he would, didn't approve of. He would not walk his daughter down the aisle to someone they did not approve of. And I remember sitting in church and being go, well, my dad is not going to be walking me down the aisle because anyone yeah. that he approves of, I am not going to marry. Like, right. it, that was, like, kind of – for me, I remember realizing, like, yeah, this is all going to end at some point because we're not on the same page here. And, um, I do remember, like, 
when I was in six, 16 or 17, um, we all went to go live with like another family down in Alabama who also was like a satellite church. And they were even like more extreme. And we stayed with them for like for a while. And they had a son that was like my age. And I just remember like they're the, I'm not saying it was an arranged marriage in any way at all. I'm just saying it was like definitely maybe feeling some. Yeah. I was like, all right, this is like, you know, cause yeah. there one other boy in my dad's church. And I just remember yeah. being like, so if I'm being raised to be a wife, basically, like that's my future is just to be a submitful wife to some man, right. but you're, there's 14 people in your church and yeah. everyone else is a sinner. Yeah. Is going yeah. to fall from the sky? Like, are you going to make him yourself? Like what's the plan here? You know what I mean? Take and your then, rib. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Sorry that, so, was, sorry. that was a bad religious joke. It's okay. No, but like, yeah, I mean, I, there, I don't remember like specifically arranged marriages. Definitely. They had to be approved. Um, I mean, that's and kind of the, that's that was kind of definitely the same. like my future was just to, that's kind of why I've been married before I got I got married and had a kid really young because I was like oh. what I knew how to do and I just wanted to feel confident in something you know what I mean like well, um, in, in yeah. my experience our our um our satellite probably hadn't been around for very long and um and they were they would yeah they they preached that um unless you were part of that church yeah you, you were be- a you were a sinner. So, so basically, yeah. it was implied that um, that it had to be somebody in the church yeah. within the church. Now, I I can only remember one wedding, um, in the entire time that I was there, and it was um, this this yeah these two um, eighteen nineteen year olds or whatever, and they got married. As far as I know, they're still together, but that was it. That's the only wedding that I can recall that happened between two members of the church. Yeah. Now. You know, they're they're like 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 Abana was saying. There's um, there's 14 people in the church. Well, ours was a little bit bigger than that, but there might have been like 30 or 30 or 40. You know, and a fairly even number of girls and boys the same age. So, if it had gone on for a couple more years, they might have been like trying trying to push nudge us towards each other. Yeah, definitely almost incestual. Um, yep. That leads me to maybe maybe close to one of my last questions I want to ask you guys going through this experience being where you are now again just incredible how strong um you seem and I know you fight demons I'm sure you do every day and we all do in certain ways but this is heavy really heavy and I just want to ask you what if somebody were listening or somebody's family member were listening that was in this situation as a, a multiple youth, um, what advice could you possibly give to them or what would you say to them to give them hope or to possibly have them step that extra step if they were questioning where they were to leave or get out? What What is after that take it josh i guess that there there's hope um you know like um they i'm not gonna say it's easy but but it does get better um i today and so 
just so free compared to how I used to be like and, and just condemnation and guilt and all that stuff. Um, it, it, it can get better. Um, and it will get better. Um, if you just try. And when, oh, Thank you, Josh. Uh, when you, when you all left, um, and immersed yourself in the real world, I mean, it's almost in a sense like you had a second childhood because it was a whole new phase of discovery. Um, was, was it stressful, uh, learning about how things really were outside of that, that world? Uh, I'll start with you, Ivana. Yes. It like still is like, I can imagine, especially raising a child, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's funny because like some people are like, oh, well, now I get to experience all these firsts with him. And I'm like, yeah, but like, I don't know what it is. <laughs> always a way to be positive about something. And that's a good tool to have. But sometimes it feels really good to just feel really bad for yourself. And that's OK. You know, sure, yes, yeah. it is. Yes, it is. Self-compassion. Yeah. Right. And which is something we were not taught to have as well. So, you know, it's like it's OK to cry. It's OK to feel bad. Yeah. It's OK to have a bad day. It's OK to not feel perfect. Right. But if <laughs> we're not. Coming, I coming to this realization, um, over the last ten years of like, you know, I'm first out on my own, and you know, there's the whole shock of all that, and like the trend, I it's a lot of like just physical day to day things, figuring it out, yeah. emotional crap going on, but like, kind of come to this realization, like, oh, I can be normal now, like, let's go buy a pair of jeans and a low cut shirt and some makeup. Adidas. Adidas. Like, Adidas, yeah. Like, like fairy tale story of like, you know, this girl goes to the mall for the first time and becomes normal and has this like transformation and feels like it. But then you realize that it's like you're still not normal because it's not normal for that to not be normal. You know what I mean? Like it's just yeah. And realizing like, you know, I can go watch a movie now, but I I still I can't go back and watch Cinderella at five. I'm right. watching Cinderella at twenty five. Right. <laughs> And I look at it as a 25-year-old, but also as a first-time watching it year-old. And it's, I'm never going to be normal. I'm never, ever going to be normal because I can't go relive it. And it's like, that was the one thing that we craved, or at least myself, my entire childhood. Like, I just wanted to fit in. Like, and I know that that's a normal teenager No, thing. that is yeah. it's a very normal thing to go through. But, like, all I wanted was to just feel like a cool girl. Like, I just wanted to be cool. Like, in... It seems simple, but it's really not. That is so Something much. Something so simple right. is so grand as right. a child, though. And now it's like I've had to learn how to allow myself to have those feelings, but as an adult. And like I remember talking about this with my therapist, where it's like when I have the anxiety slash excitement of like going up to the bar and ordering a drink for myself, I'm allowing myself to have that experience of like when your mom drops you off at the mall for the first time at 12 years old and you're like independent and you figure something out for yourself. But like I'm 28 and I'm doing that. You know what I mean? It's like a very emotion. It's a lot going on there. And if you allow yourself to like be introspective about it, there's a lot of healing that really needs to be done. So it's constantly an adjustment. Sure. How about, how about you, Joshua? Have, was it hard for you to adjust to the outside world? Um, I I had that 20 year culture gap, you know, like where just stuff just missing. So that'll always be there. Like you you, you talk about uh, whatever movie was on the 80s, I won't know, or Ghostbusters joke or something. I'm I'm not gonna yeah. get it. Um, We're talking about half the time. <laughs> Guys, yeah. this is just mind blowing to me. But uh, 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I feel like, you know, uh, I'm normalized to the extent I can, and I don't think I'm going to get any more normal than this. So I've got, that's as good as it gets. You can always progress and evolve, man. You're doing, you're killing it right now. Yeah, for, I mean, for what you know, like, like, that gap is going to be there. I don't care to go watch yeah. all the 80s movies with the Yeah, best. don't. Most of it's shit. <laughs> well, well, they weren't I, mean, I, I, I think that I probably had the easiest time with it. Uh, out of out of the three of us, because I mean the the whole time you know it's like I I started rebelling. I mean I saw before we got into that church, I saw the first Star Wars movie in the theater, and I loved it. You know, and I and I I had a whole bunch of action figures and stuff like that. I was I was made to throw them away. The the you were you fighting know. the system early, Phil. Yeah, you were, you were and, really a rebel. So I saw I saw the Empire Strikes Back in the theater. I saw Return of the Jedi in the That's theater. I saw Ghostbusters in the theater I, because I had I had friends that my mom didn't know about, and they would take me to see these movies. And um and and yeah, I was you know I saw all those movies in the theater even though I wasn't supposed to. I you know and yeah. um I mean you know there's. Yeah, I was I was fighting the system. It's like I would have a, I'd have I would my my mom kind of bent the rules about me playing with neighborhood kids, and I took yeah. full advantage of it. Yeah, I, you had I would that go little bit of movies. that little bit of glimmer of normalcy, or I think, um, yeah. and and Josh really just well, the interesting just oh, I don't the indoctrination know. was true and pure. I don't know if it makes a difference or not, but Josh and I both had fathers. And this is a very patriarchal system. And mm-hmm. our fathers were both still, like, my mom let me bend some of the rules, too. But my dad did it. And my mom didn't around my dad. You know what I mean? Hell so on the head. Some, uh, that could have true. played some of that a little bit. That makes a lot of sense, actually. What, was there uh, a joyous phase where you really uh, dived in headfirst into secular pleasures and just thought, question. I'm, you're just like, yeah, I'm going to eat ice cream and listen to secular music and watch movies like did you really double down on it and enjoy great question morgan i love that question i'll let you two go first because um that's a great question like what was the thing that like you're like wow like this is i'm not sure i care to divulge all the secular pleasures that i I, I do like this. I love that. I love that answer. Enough <laughs> said. I, uh, oh, if there was, uh, go ahead, Vanna. Uh, unfortunately, or not unfortunately, I don't want to say it like that, but so happens to be that I put myself into full on adulthood very early. So I was kicked out. I was homeless, house hopped, whatever. You're to college because that was one of the big things that was a part of me my falling out was I was trying to apply to go to college and that wasn't okay and that started to cause the tension when I was living at home so me now being out was like well I'm going to go to college and I did go for one semester and that that could have been my time where I indulged in all the pleasures of the world but I was very scared and thankfully had some wisdom because I promised myself I wasn't going to dorm because I I just knew like again I knew that my dad could manipulate me I knew I was born to be I was trained to be a people pleaser and just try to fit in at any cost and I would always get myself into situations where I realized I I don't even know what I believe about this or what I think is right or what I'm or you can't say no maybe people tell me that I'm good so I think I'm good 
and I knew that about myself and I was like I could get into a lot of stuff I don't want to get into and get hurt or whatever that's why um, and so I, I tried to just commute and go to college and even with just commuting I found myself in a number of uncomfortable situations and being homeschooled and secluded your whole life and then dropped into college I had an anxiety attack driving there on on back for a second semester and I just turned around and went home and never went back like I just couldn't I had anxiety do for you so, just thinking about that yeah I so like I could have then I kind of did but it was more scary not enjoyable you know right okay and then from then on by the time I was 23 I, I was I was married for a year but I got married I had a kid and then I got divorced and now here I am a single mom so you know what am I gonna do I can't go out and get drunk with a one-year-old at home <laughs> like you know so really it wasn't until more recently my child is older and he's with his dad a few days a week and I and I have you know one night out I can go out and even then it's like I mean I've never blacked out. I've only smoked weed. That's okay. I mean, I haven't gone absolutely crazy. I've enjoyed myself more and like I I do all the adult things and and it's great and sometimes it's confusing, but I didn't really. Well, well, drinking and blacking out isn't the best thing about being an adult. (laughs) Hey, at 41, I'll tell you right now, the best thing, the best nights of my life when I don't have my kids is, is, doing a painting, watching a flick, horror yeah. flick that I love on TV, you know, burning my incense and say, that's a good night for me. My, that's a great night. My biggest thing, if you want to talk about the most joyous moment or the beach. right now in my life right now, because like I spent one night where I slept in a trash can wow. and I remember telling myself like, this is not going to be my life. And it's 10 years later. That was when I was 18. I'm 28. I'm in the process of buying a home. I have a retirement fund. I have a healthy child. I have a fiance. I have a family. I have a career. I have health care. Like I, I have all the things that I didn't have. I went from a traumatic family to nothing at all to making it all for myself. And it's like, yeah, I'm not, you know, no, that's amazing. That's amazing. Congratulated. Yeah. You're, made it. <laughs> yes, you did. A lot of people have had those experiences. You know, they're they're addicted to drugs or alcohol. They're cutting themselves. Yeah. The fact that you know that hasn't been happening. That's that's that's. Well, I don't know if it miraculous is the appropriate term for well, that's, that. That's tenacity, and you're a lioness. Honey. Yeah, there's certainly a risk for it. Yeah. You're a lioness. Yeah. And one thing well, I, I want um, really quick, I want to say because it's a compliment to all of us because. You have said, you know, that, you know, it's amazing that at such young ages we were questioning things or we were whatever. And I think the one positive thing that we were taught to do without any of the leaders realizing it, they mm-hmm. taught us to question everything in the world. They taught us to do that. So oh, I think that's one of the reasons why we weren't scared to question that as well. Like they taught us to doubt the entire world and doubt. That's everything. an amazing revelation. That's a great point. This. That's a good point. I had, I that had is never a fantastic thought about that, but you're absolutely point. right. In a roundabout way, they created you, who you were with yeah, those that's, strong that's a, men, minds. You guys. That's a rare. That in, yeah. That's a rare thing because most cults completely reject critical thinking you're not allowed to question they did too too, but they did too but they weren't um they weren't they didn't know what they were doing they they did it's just like some some people were wired differently than others like 
you know, the, like the three of us, we were we were able to, you know, at various points of our life, we were able to think for ourselves. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. you've got people out out there like um, like my mom was for a time, like that mother of that that special needs child that I talked about, that were that are that are still locked into that, exactly. locked in yeah. the barrel. They're dependent. It's a lot about who you are, for sure. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, it's it's going to, you know, and, and also you, you have survivors of other cults and everything. And, and if you notice the, the ones that come out and they're like really outspoken about it, are the, the, the numbers of the ones that are like out, out and talking in front of everybody and outspoken about it, like the three of us are, um, the, there's a lot less of us than there are of the people that are still like lost in it. Or, or or people that just don't that just turned it off and just I, I don't want to think about it anymore. There's a lot more of that than there are like activist type like the three of us. You're very that's very true, and that's why I that's why I thank you so much for because thank you so much for doing what you're doing because I think people who are in cults are just they're very scared. It's a very hard thing. I've sure. never had I've never talked in depth like this with anybody from. I, from this kind of a situation, it's been very mind opening. Absolutely. For me, I'm sure Morgan as well. I was about to ask, aside from podcasts, um, has there been any other kind of um, media coverage about this particular organization, any documentaries or books, anything? There was a guy that did like a five minute documentary short, which you can find on YouTube, a guy named Jack Pennington. And then a guy in France, um, did a 45-minute film uh, called Deadly Prayers in America. It was on, like, sort of a French uh, version of Netflix just for documentaries. Um, I could get you a copy as long as you didn't post it anywhere if you wanted to watch it. But um, uh, And then there was a guy that was doing interviews and was going to make it a podcast, um, like, a few years ago. And I don't know if anything ever came of it because he was, he was raised – he grew up in the, the area where the main church was, even though he wasn't a park. So he knew about it. Um, I don't know if the project just fell through or what happened, but I haven't heard anything about that. Uh, Morgan, this is my next podcast. Does anybody want to be a co-host with me? <laughs> a cult podcast? Yeah. Yes. So I'm know, not joking. So no. Anyone know what the statistics are in terms of like how many cults are functioning at any given time? Uh, there's probably fewer now than there were back in, say, the 60s, 70s, and 80s. But I, I'm sure there's still a lot of them that are out there. I mean, Nexium, they they were a oh, cult, yeah. but, they, you know, they, but they were more like a new age cult and everything. That you know, the, I mean, but the Keith, the Keith Raniere, he was the true definition of a cult leader, you know. And Keith Keith, Keith Raniere ripped off a bunch of things from science from Scientology, which is also a cult. Um, yeah. So they're 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 out there. I mean, of course, I I think that the 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 Mormons are cultish. The the fundamentalist Mormon groups, those are cults. Um, you know, I mean, you could a, a lot of the Jehovah's Witnesses think, you know, they're, sure, yeah. They're, well, a lot of them are, just are cult-like. Listening to it's still um, it's still an active cult. It was a woman who believes herself as Mary Magdalene. Was that a recent thing? Yes, it is. There well, a- it's she. It's still an active cult, but I I was listening to a podcast that um was covering the start of the cult and then people who had left, which is and it's so interesting because I started listening to that right before Morgan told us we were going to do this podcast. I was like, well, this is weird because I'd mm-hmm. never really listened. Um, 
but yeah, she was very, it's very, uh, uh, brainwashing. Uh, she says things and does things. Yeah. I'm trying to find what the the one was. Is she the one that would get drunk and, um, make, and get on YouTube and just do all the diatribes? Yeah, I, I can't remember the. Oh, what is? Uh, it's right on the tip of my tongue. Yeah, in my line of work, I, I listen to, I listen to a lot of podcasts. So in my line of work, so. <laughs> well, you know, as an armchair evolutionary psychologist, I know that I, it doesn't surprise me that this kind of thing exists because we're pack animals. Uh, we have a very strong need to belong somewhere, and a lot of people who get drawn into cults. They were cast out of their families. They were alone. And a lot of these cults, they don't, they, of course, they don't use the word cult. They refer to it as a family. You have a family now. You're a part of our family. And that's very seductive if you're at a lonely place in your life. So. Fire Ministries. Oh, yeah, that's the trap. What was it? Freedom Fire Ministries. Yeah, that's that Her name is Cheryl. Interesting. I have heard of I have I've listened to a podcast about that one. I can't remember who did it, but I, I know this is the one I, I listen to. <laughs> oh, Cheryl we... Cheryl Ruthven is her name, and she's the one who like told everyone they needed to collect cats because cats were going to be their way of like getting into heaven, and also believed kind of the Jehovah's Witness thing of the hundred and forty four thousand or like the select few. It was just we we had that. We believed in the one forty four. Oh, that's yeah. the chosen. Oh, you do. We did, yeah. Wow. Okay, so that that's yeah, that's right along there, well, but they never, yeah. they never came came out and said 144,000 and the and the group that I was in, but um, in listening to um, podcasts about the Jehovah's Witnesses and the 144,000, it's just just the, you know the, the minuscule number of people worldwide that are actually part of this church. Yeah, it could have been the same thing, but yeah. but still, I mean, yeah. So it's it's definitely the same mindset. Definitely. So, yeah. as far as um this the faith assembly cult, like besides everything that Josh mentioned, I haven't. I've searched a lot. There's one like New York Times article that was written. Um, it is like on Wikipedia as a cult, which is interesting. That my my therapist showed that to me because I didn't like. She'd be like, "It sounds like you grew up in a cult." Da, da, da. I'm like, "No, no." And then she literally was like, "Go, go, go." She's like, "Yvonne, I want you to Google Hobart Freeman." She had a whole printout of all the, th- and it's just cult, cult, cult. And I'm like, "Holy crap!" I I I was born into a cult. I'm like, "Okay, that that was like an eye opener for me." Um, oh, wow. I, I, yeah. There's I, a a folder. Oh, sorry, we're still talking. I'm sorry. Sorry, I've I've been in a one newspaper article in three podcasts besides this one. So that's like the only other content out there. If you want to start one. Hey, <laughs> I, Morgan. I want to write Josh and, Josh and I tried to start one, but you know, we weren't really cohesive together. <laughs> it didn't you really go work out that, that well. Yeah, you do have to have that I think Morgan brought me on because you can tell that I'm a Listen, I bring the cre- the craziness out of Morgan. He's, he's a little more. <laughs> I've always wanted to do write a story or do a show or a, do a something. I want to tell like 
my entire story, but not because I want it to be my story that's told. Like, I just feel like I've had this, like, full circle beginning to end plot and everything. And I just, like, have such a passion for bringing awareness to this because, like, so many times I've been sitting at a table and been like, this girl sitting next to me has no idea that I went through this. And, like, you never know that the person sitting across from you, and you know what I mean? And so to bring it, I'd be sitting at dinner and look at you and think you were perfectly right. You know, the whole concept of cults, especially recently, they've been kind of romanticized and, and um, it's, you know, all the time. Oh my God, you go up in a cult. And like, I love to talk about it. Don't get me wrong, but it's just kind of like this, like, it's, it's, this isn't like some movie where I am my own hero. I mean, it is, (laughs) I am my own hero and it is like a movie, but it's a you are, right. The you're you're not the, the 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 norm you're the what's the word I'm looking for? The um you guys are the word. Reality. I don't know. Not a lot of people get to where you are. Right. And I just I just think it's important to bring awareness to the fact that it's something that's still going on. Yeah. And I don't know. I think I think seeing that people can survive from this can help other people survive from different things too, not just this, you know. Religious abuse is religious abuse and narcissistic abuse are huge and they're a very hard thing to put your finger on because they just are an essence. It's just an essence that's intoxicating and it's good to talk about it. Yeah, I think a, a podcast that it was exposing cults or just kind of dove into them would, would be a huge public service. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. I agree. You well, guys doing this as a public there. service. Well, thank you very much for that. Um, one one thing, I mean, one thing that, I mean, do we want to talk about if there was anything positive that came out of the experience? Yeah, I was going to ask about that. I didn't know if, if there would be, but yeah, what? If you Absolutely. could name something, a silver lining, yeah. Well, I mentioned that the the, very, the the first location that the church was in when we when my family started going was in somebody's house, and they're just up there, you know, because we had come from Baptist church, we're used to just you know people singing around a um, an organ grinder that can't keep a beat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, I feel you. I feel that. And um, so. So you got these people up there, you know, like playing playing these um, church songs and everything on acoustic guitars and whatnot. I remember being there as like six years old, just fascinated by that. I, I told my, my parents that I wanted to do it, you know, that I wanted to learn how to play guitar. So they bought me a cheap guitar, got me some, you know, some lessons where they taught me the chords and everything. And that kind of lit the, lit, lit the, opened a Pandora's box with me as, as far as, you know, music. If it hadn't been for that, I probably wouldn't have become a heavy metal musician. <laughs> that's a beautiful <laughs> which, silver lining. That's a beautiful that's, silver lining. Yeah, and that's, that's, Bill, that's I love my, it. my passion. <laughs> so I love that, Bill. So, um, yeah. Ivana, what about you? Any silver lining that stands out? Yeah. Um, Besides the fact that you're a, a badass lioness now? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is one of the silver linings. Like, I have had to be such a strong person from a young age and I think that is I, I have learned so many tools I have so many tools to survive because I had to 
have so many tools to survive, you know? Um, and so I, I'm really thankful for that. I'm really not scared to try to be aware. I'm not scared, scared to think about what issues I need to work through. Like I, I, that's a silver lining within itself. Um, I learned a lot of practical skills. Like I am the trophy wife <laughs> because like I literally <laughs> can cook a badass meal and clean and multitask and run a family. But you then I'm also I'm sure you can cook really cultured now. And so I can also be like in a, a, a uh, what's the word? Uh, a worldly woman or whatever, you know what I mean? Like Ooh. I can be, both, you know? Um, that's awesome but, uh, just you know from a young age just like the doing the chore like the work ethic that I was taught I was taught such a work ethic I was homeschooled which really meant I was kind of teaching myself so like just a lot of those practical okay. skills that yeah. were instilled in me at such a young age I am thankful for them I wish there were other things that I experienced as a child but I am really thankful for those skills that I have and the confidence I have in just adulting in general um what do you do by the way I was a mu- I'm a musician um and I was teaching privately for the last I actually started teaching when I was 16 I started teaching young girls in the neighborhood so I've been really I was teaching for like 12 years I recently quit teaching um due to teaching through covid and it just destroying my mental health and not being okay with that and mm-hmm. now um I work at a brewery I'm the social media coordinator and I'm also a part tender part-time bartender there as well nice. so that's what I do now. Aside from my own music, I just like released an album, which is all about healing from own music. It's so but, crazy. Yeah. But the, my whole album is all about it's in two parts. The first five songs are about uh, like when you asked me if I could say anything to my dad, I realized after I should have said I would tell him to listen to my album because okay. the first five songs are about some of them are written specifically to my parents or they're about what I experienced as a child. And then this, the last five songs are about my experience out in the new world. So it's like, the, I, I kind of think of it as like the first five songs are about me learning how to love myself. And then the last five songs are me learning how to love the world around me. You know, well, like, you to, and all of that stuff to Morgan so I could listen to it. That'd be great. All well, of I'll tell you, you one thing. I think you have a great, <laughs> I think you would have a great memoir in you. Like if you were to choose to write about your experiences. Oh, as a- yeah, I, for sure. I just to help me like if anyone out there wants to help me i i have everything i just need a a someone to help me put it into order you know what i mean like i i just i need someone to make me sit down with them once a week and start putting this into words basically i have all the words i just need a person to help yeah, me it's a fascinating story but, but um so like funny for me as yeah, well exactly. a concept album is for sure yeah i i um uh, used music as therapy I would sit down as a child at home and play the piano for three hours at night sometimes and just emotional vomit on the piano. And now I have that as a skill. I play five instruments and I freaking love it. And I probably wouldn't wow. have done it so passionately if I didn't emotionally need it so much. So well, of course. In complete uh fuck you to your call. <laughs> Thank you. Well, uh Josh, what what's your silver lining? Honestly, I think my existence, because without the cult, my parents wouldn't have dropped out of school and made me. So, uh, hey, I'm heavy. <laughs> that is heavy. <laughs> you know what? Damn good. Damn good point. I love I like it. it. And Bill, what was, what was your silver lining? Um, basically, I mean, I, I, 
like Havana was saying that her her music was kind of like therapy, and I guess you know I didn't go through therapy, you know, through a um, a psychologist or anything like that. But I guess you can say that my music has been my th- therapy. I I really recently released my first album as well. Nice. I've been doing this for so many years, but I just released my first album. <laughs> and crazy. Love since it. Then, since then, I've, I've just been releasing singles, um, you know, but over the past, like I, I got out of music for a, a long time and um, I got back into it about three years ago. And in three years, I've released 15 songs, 10 on my album and five right. additional I, I so, need to hear all of it. I, I, I'm a true believer. I mean, I like old classic rock with instruments. So, um, and I do believe that the well, best music is written through kind of the most tumultuous times. So, um, I, I would be very interested in listening to your guys, uh, all of your music. And, yeah, where um, can one find your music? Uh, Bill, where is available? If you like Havana and I are both on Spotify. Uh, I mean, uh, mine is Bill Selby, and it'll be a picture of me. I'm wearing glasses, and you can see the headstock of the guitar. It's a black and white picture with a, the verified check mark by it. That, that's mine, Bill Selby, S-E-L-B-Y. And then Havana? Yeah, I'm on um, all streaming platforms, um, including Spotify. Mm-hmm. My name is my name, but Havana, but no one knows how to spell it. <laughs> This a- can link it. Can he link it in the show notes for this? For my this album is called Damage Undone. And um, the whole idea of the title is you would think if you were to look at me from all my trauma, you'd be like, that girl's damaged. And you'd be like, damage done. And I'm like, no, it's undone. Undone. Like, yeah. fell out of- damage undone. Drop. Literally. <laughs> I drop, yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm on... Um- I'm on all platforms as well, but I really only really push the Spotify. Yeah. The first what do you What do you want to come on? Give us Give us something. What do you want to promote? If it, even if it's just your your beautiful face, what, huh. what do you want to promote? Josh? I wouldn't really uh, say my face uh, is all that beautiful. My music is. Oh. I thought you said you guys. I thought you said you guys. I'm, I'm on a crappy headset and I'm in a traffic jam in the middle I'm of Atlanta crappy, right I'm now. On, I'm on my... I, I, I can't think of anything. Love, peace, and happiness, I guess. I love that. You know what? You're a man after my own soul. I, 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 has a gift for um, pulling humans together. Yeah. He's like, me to a lot of people. He like goes out on a limb and is like, hey, you. You want to meet this person? I'm gonna travel here and meet that person. You can come too. Like he has a heart for community, and I think that's, yeah. Yeah. he. I I feel a good soul out of that face because I'm I'm able to look at two of them and um, yeah. I I I'm without words. Obama. And everyone in this podcast is gonna say holy shit. Rachel just can't just have words. Um, Ivana, do you, you have any gigs coming up? Do you any performances of your music? Um, I am, I put myself in a tough situation only because I, I played most of the instruments when I recorded the music, but then I also can't yeah. play five instruments while performing live, yeah. but I really want the full idea when I perform plus COVID. So yeah, I have to finish recording. No. I, I'm releasing the last five songs of the album in a couple of weeks. Um, so that's my main goal. And then I will start performing actually at the brewery that I work at, um, can I drop the name of the brewery? Probably. Sure, yeah. Go ahead. Actually, I'm not going to. Just oh, okay. 
of my personal, I don't want to attach my personal sure, life. No to problem. But um, I hopefully will be performing more live. And Bill, uh, do you have any gigs coming up? Nah, I, I'm in the same boat as Havana as I did everything on, on the album and the singles that I've released. And, um, and I, but I haven't been in a band since 2003. Um, I mean, I, I played a, I've, filled in for somebody on bass guitar back in 2016 but that was the last gig that i've played but with my job i I want badly to get another band together because i miss being on stage but um in my line of work it's impossible and you know it's kind of hard to, to find somebody you know to find a career that pays what this one does with no degree or anything like that yeah sure and and actually you know what if if I had stayed in the cult, I wouldn't be able to do this job. See? Because because if because going to the doctor is a sin, and you have to a you have to get a physical before you can get a CDL, and mm-hmm. b you uh, you have to be able to pass an eye test, and um, I have to wear glasses now. So which that that was big mm. no no you, you can't wear glasses, and if I didn't if it if it weren't for glasses oh, I wouldn't. And I would already be done then. Yeah. I'm legally blind. I would be passed away. I do. I want to say real quick. I said I do a lot of the music myself, which I did, but my producer also did a lot of work. And I just have to say that I work with a producer that I would not have been able to do it completely on my own without him. So oh. just want to throw that out there. Love support. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Morgan, any other questions before we wrap up? Oh, no, has- it, uh, we're at over two hours. Uh, I know. I can't believe how fast that went. Again, you guys, I Morgan will end, but before he does, this has been such an amazing experience for me. Enriching. To see very that. enriching. Very mind-opening. Things I did not know. I will be obsessing over this because I do have an anxiety disorder. <laughs> so I will think about this for a long time. In a good way, though. Um, not in a good way, but I wanted the more you know, the more you can be aware and prepared for. Um, this is something I actually don't know a lot about. I thank you for letting our viewers and anybody who might be in the situation, giving them hope. You are you all just seem so strong, and I'm I'm awed by you and inspired by you. And thank you again so much for your time and coming on. Yeah, she took the words out of my mouth. I feel the same way. Yeah, thank well, you I'm guys glad. so much. I'm- I'm glad. Thank you for reaching out to me when, after I had made that post on that Facebook page. Yeah. I mean, I was I was just trying. I wasn't expecting anything like this. I was just kind of wanting to get some chit chat going. But this this is this is cool, and I've never I've never really heard. I mean, I've I've never really heard Josh's story because you know when we were talking about doing our podcast before, we were going into it not having said a word about it to each other. Right. So that you get kind of the, the, the fresh effect on it. We tried it, it didn't really work out. But um I didn't I I didn't know anything about a banner here, you know. I'm so glad. Then we've all learned something and, and again thank you. You guys reach out at any time, honestly. Um podcast, thank you. whatever. But Great. Morgan. Well with no further thank ado, you. Uh, <laughs> I wish you guys good night. Uh, thank you again for doing the show. Thank, Thank you. you. All right. Thanks, Thanks for having us. Good night. Okay, so Great. Take care, guys. Have a good night. Bye. Bye. You too. Bye. Bye.